Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast. Uh, tonight we have uh, with me, we have Mitch Brown, who is our uh, expert physio. We have hey, Nick mate, Lord. Uh, hey Mitch, how you going? Yeah, good man. Very good. That's good. And we have uh, Nick Lord, who is our numbers guru. Uh, g'day guys, how's it going? Good, good, good. And we have myself, Stuart Lord, who, you know, is somewhat good at fantasy. It's my main qualifications. I see here fantasy god. I'm not sure how appropriate that is or how real that is. Um, you know, we'll see how you go this year, mate. Uh, I'm just saying that I could have lapped you last year in fantasy, Nick. So <laughs> <laughs> possibly did, mate, as far as the scores went. But I, I do get it. Yes, you're only as good as your last season. So hopefully this year I can keep it up. Uh, you're only as good as Perry uh, being your captain every week. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> I did try and warn you, mate. Beginning of the year, Captain Cleary is like captaincy's worth a lot, and we'll come to that later on in the podcast series, talking about how important having a captain worth a damn is. But tonight, we've actually got some breaking news. Well, when I say breaking news, I mean a few days old, and actually someone's <laughs> broken. So. <laughs> Had plenty of time to think about it. <laughs> Had plenty of time to think about it, which is uh, the injury to Jaden Braley over at the Knights, which we, we heard about. So, uh, Mitch, do you want to take us through what this injury is? Yep. So, uh, unfortunately, Jaden has done his Achilles, so it's a uh, total rupture. The, the positive thing is, and, and they've been trialling sort of new techniques over the last couple of years that have been coming out of the U.S., is that uh, unlike previous athletes where really the Achilles injury um, was sometimes even career-ending for your older guys, so Jaden really doesn't fit into that, is that um, because of the size of the incision that was required, um, coupled with the scarring and trauma that would occur with that, is that the time of recovery was typically at least 12 months. So in that scenario, you know, he'd be a, he'd be a total write-off for fantasy. Um, but the other major thing was huge losses in speed, agility, um, and ability to run. So the interesting thing about um, Braley, and I mean, largely for most people, he probably still is a scrub um, as far as the fantasy season goes, is that I would expect that he actually may make a return uh, at some point during the season. So he, oh, really? Yeah, exactly right. So I did a bit of a dive um, on some of the techniques being used because, you know, typically the, the sport we see this in, um, other than when um, Thorne Johnson did it, is the, the NFL. And classically, that is a season injury because of the, the time of season. But um, because of the techniques they're using in the small incision size and the time it takes for them to get back going again, which is the, the really big thing. So generally, you're sort of spending at least six to eight weeks in a boot. Um, and there's a lot of deconditioning associated with us. But because of the, the small incision size and the amount of trauma caused, we could actually potentially see Braley back um, at the six to um, seven month mark, which would actually put us sometime around um, July, August. Yeah, so it does make him an interesting sort of uh, prospect. I would say, um, you know, he would still be a little bit... Uh, ginger and, and probably not at his absolute best at that point but given Braley's role typically as a, a tackler and a sort of uh, workhorse up the middle while he will be out for a long period of time he could be an interesting pickup um, late in the season as far as an injury standpoint goes so 
after that sort of bit of a look on, on what they've been uh, doing, what they, they have done, um, while it is breaking uh, as far as, you know, certainly a write-off from the start of the season, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of uh, potential pick-up late in the season if you're willing to roll the dice on someone who has been a proven fantasy scorer. Fair enough. So I guess taken away from that, so he, he'll come back and so his performance will be down a bit, but it's not not like the old days from what I'm hearing there. But That's exactly it, right. We're, we're like someone like um, SJ, it was, it was, you know, nine to 12 months of of recovery. And he really has come back as the same sort of player he did uh, or was previously. Oh, that's very true. And now that sounds good. So good to hear he'll be back. And I think I'm hoping really personally that he comes back, he comes back in sort of a limited minutes role and then he drops some coin to make him a decent buy in 2023. But that's thinking a long way ahead. Yeah, and that's probably the most viable option. I mean, I am saying that he'll come back and he'll be able to play um, and and will have a role, but I don't think he'll be 2021. Hmm. Well, look... What are your thoughts, Mitch, on um, performance between Achilles from someone, say, like a Sean Johnson who plays in the halfback versus... Um, Jaden Braley through the middle. Um, any any thoughts on that in particular, like in terms huge, of um, yeah. getting back to your best? Huge amounts of thoughts. I think with the the modern surgery, people like SJ probably would have had a better chance with what they're doing uh, now as far as getting to his peak. But it's pretty obvious, you know, SJ, very mobile, agile, lots of cutting movements. Braley fairly straight up and down. Um, Braley's going to have the better chance of the faster recovering, getting closer to his 100% uh, and probably faster. But I would say, you know, were they both to have the same sort of thing, you'd probably find eventually um, in the mid to long term, they'd probably hit the same sort of level. Oh, great. Well, that, that's great news. You know, love uh, Jaden Bray as a player, great tackler, you know, whips the ball out of dummy half, great to watch. And um, he can start a little bit of a break, but I think, um, you know, on that sort of team, he just had to whip the, whip the ball to the playmakers and uh, let them, you know, uh, you know, get in the kitchen and, and whip up something nice for, for their backs and everything like that in that sort of team. Hey. Yep, exactly right. Hmm. So, okay, moving on to the next part, uh, fantasy-wise, obviously there's a spot open now. So, Nick, having a look through and looking at the socials and the reports here, what, what's the news on the likely replacement for Braley? I think um, I think Randall seems to have the inside running at the moment. Um, I mean, there's an outside shot that Kurt Mann might get, a, might get a shot. I mean, Kurt Mann seems to be the sort of you know, plug in all holes, um, jack of all trades kind of player. Um, so just just for two very quick dives into Randall and Man. So Randall, he's played four games starting at hooker, um, where he plays 60 minutes and he averaged 50. Now that's quite important because he's very cheap at 350k with a break even at 28. So he's an absolute tackle machine at 44 and a half tackles a game. Um, and, and so, like, statistically, he's quite actually similar to Jaden Braley, um, but he's 400000 uh cheaper. So um, if, if he gets listed uh, in the round one team list, he's an absolute must-have, I think. Um, and he could make you about 300, 310K um, with those types of averages. So it could reach up to 660. So 350 to 660. Is he a keeper from there? I'm not sure. Um, Stu, do you think he'd be a keeper? If, if he uh, nails down that starting role or uh, would you sort of you know, trade him out and cash out and, and, and move to someone else? Look, Randall, I think, is he's number two in that team. And I think with the expected return of uh, Braley possibly at some point, 
uh, he may not be just saying all season keeper, but I think he's a no-brainer to start your season with because he's, his price point is so much better than any other starting, likely starting hooker. And break even to 28, most hookers can make that just off tackles. Probably some of them can make oh, it in the first half. Yeah, easy. First, absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, so I'm hoping here is that you just you get him in, you treat him as a cash cow, and then you just you hop off the train when it appears that you stop. But I mean, like uh, I think Randall, um, he's had some opportunities, and he didn't quite nail down the spot. So um, the other option, Kurt Mann at 472k, his break even is 38. He started um, seven games at hooker in 2020. So I think um, I'm not sure if he got injured or if Mann took over the role. I can't remember. Um, but Kurtman averaged 55.6 in those seven games starting hooker. Um, 42 tackles a game, so his tackles a little bit down. Um, but if Kurt Mann somehow, on the off chance, gets the starting hooker role, he could make about 210k um, at 680k. But then, um, you know, are you going to be burning too many trades or and everything like that if you bring in Kurt Mann? Um, what do you guys think? Mitch, I'll, I'll let you have first crack at that one. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. I mean, I think if Randall is appearing to be named as the starter uh, week one, I'll be far too tempted um, to not pick him. I think there, there aren't many obvious cash cows that are coming up in our sort of initial glances at the 2022 season. Like you said, and this is what makes me nervous with Randall, is that I'm not confident he's going to nail down that role. And they, they really do like man. I think he's ability to play multiple different positions makes him quite an appealing choice um i'll be waiting for that that initial team list to pull the trigger on that but he's certainly floating around as a, a major put a star on him style player um mm. coming into the season because you know you look at those numbers and it, it, it's just every time he gets out there as you said he's a tackle machine he's gonna make make score points build up cash and then you know as Stu said when the when the train stops or the, the gravy train ends, we, we just jump out. Yeah. No, 100%, mate. And look, I've I've been on uh, the Barry Tui Twitter train, you know. Oh, yeah, he's the uh, Newcastle beat writer, isn't he? He is, exactly right. And look, the word is, is that uh, Kurtman, and this is what's tempting me on Kurtman just in general, right, who I'm going to put a star up. And most builds I've got at the moment have him in my team. He's starting at lock, potentially. And what, what I think may happen with this side is that uh, you'd is have some... big enough for a lock? I think he's in the Connor Watson style of lock, potentially. So, uh, and look, they've got Jack Bird starting there at the... Dra- well, we'll get to the Dragons, but I think they're trying to get a bit more mobility in the lock space at the moment. A bit more... Uh, they're pretty chunky, them. that Knights forward pack. Hey? Pretty chunky sort of boys. They are. So you, you got a little bit of room. And the benefit is, is that you... I see likely this scenario potentially to work out that you'd have Randall, you know, starting at hooker, playing 55, 65 minutes. You'd have Kurtman at lock, uh, which would make him a great dual player because that's a pretty unicorn spot being a middle slash half. I think only Tyrone Peachy has that one. So you'd have him going there and then moving for those extra 15 to 25 minutes to hooker which makes Kurtman a real buy, like a definite 100%, you know, make some space for him buy. You could even start him at your 5 eighth position type buy. And it would make Randall, 
It just means is that his ceiling's a bit less. I mean, not to harp on man too long, but he also has relatively good durability. Like he uh, seems to back up week after week and hasn't sustained any any major injuries over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I was going to say he's quite a busy bloke, and we've yeah. talked about his versatility. Um, you know, I, I think we should start a petition, guys. DPP isn't enough for Kurt Man. He should get half. He should get center. He should get wing fullback, and he should get the hooker. I reckon positions as well. Yeah. You know? To be fair, outside of winger, in fact, no, he's played winger. He's played all those positions. If he plays lock, perhaps he should get it. Yeah. Get mid as well. <laughs> he hasn't played second row. That's it. Well, I, I think him and Jack Bird everything we're but about edge. today. It's they're, they're these universal Mister Fix It type fellas, or at least the coaches are trying to use them like it. So, yeah. Well, look. So, well, that's really good, guys. Thank you for that. So, it seems like you know we might be seeing Braley again, and that it's really you know. We'll obviously take a second cut on Randall and Man when we get to the Knights. Uh, I believe in two weeks' time. Yeah, a couple of weeks, guys. Then we'll um, do the do the deep, deep, deep dive on the Knights. Excellent. And also, just before we get started going into the teams tonight for the uh, for the Warriors and Dragons, I just want to promote our uh, Instagram and Facebook pages, guys. Uh, pretty much, I've set it up now so that we're going to have content every day. Uh, linking to the podcast and basically you know we've decided that uh while some people don't love a long format podcasts we do and so we like talking and chatting and not just rushing through everything but we know that not everyone always has the time every week to listen to it so the instagram will be full of the vital information you know the the statistics or the injuries or the you know, our recommendations as a result of the discussions. So you can always look there to, to grab the information. And Nick, what's our Instagram page, mate? At boom or bust NRL. It's all one word, guys. Give us a follow. Like our content if you like it. Um, uh, I think the graphics are looking really good. Um, so, yeah, it's um, we've got heaps of stuff, as Stu said, coming out. So, um, you know, get out there, get amongst it, you know. We want a bit of discussion and debate if we can as well. Um, if you think that we're on the podcast, make time. That's true. Well, yep. there's there's always time while you're you know working out as I do heavily every day <laughs> <laughs> at the dinner table, and there, there, there's there's time all the time. So yeah, it's if you but you know if you do have a week where you know you don't have time or whatever else. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or on the Instagram or both. You'll get to see the you know the relevant information. It might encourage you to you know take a dive. And we're also going to add in uh, notes, timing notes, which I believe that Nick is taking tonight. Yep. Yep. And he's uh, he's going to put them in there so that you can always just jump to the section you want to hear. And now we're going to move on to the team section for tonight where we, we take a good look at the teams coming up for their 2022 season. And uh, working our way up the ladder, we come to the New Zealand Warriors. You know, the guys who allegedly saved the competition in 2020 and 2021. The Sunny Coast Warriors. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Blue Tongue Stadium's finest. <laughs> and to be honest with you, they've kind of shown that you can get a decent crowd at Central Coast Stadium every week. Yeah, it's a it's a booming part of Sydney, I think. Um, it's also a strong football area. 
um, and probably has the demand, right? That's it. And it's a beautiful but, stadium too, by the way. Like you can't. I was just about to say that as well. Totally agree. Just gorgeous. Yeah. So maybe some of the tigers up there. <laughs> maybe after this year they might need to. <laughs> so, but uh, look, uh, look. It's right a- on the water as well. It's um, it's right on that sort of bay and everything like that. You know, it's it's just beautiful place to go um, if you want to watch some footy. But you know, you send teams to beautiful places like the Gold Coast, and you just you just get mediocrity. So, are we <laughs> going to get a good team out of there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Too much time at the pool. You're thinking. <laughs> I'm not saying what I'm thinking, but it doesn't work. <laughs> out fair, fair enough. Well, look, we're, we're going to look at the we're going to look at the uh, teams, and we're going to look at the teams, the additions uh, that the Warriors have gained in 2020. And there's not a huge list. The Warriors were active in the past couple of years, but they didn't really pick up too much this year. So they one big name I'll lead off with is Sean Johnson returning as the number six. So. The uh, we also have... favourite son of the last what decade? Let's say since Stacey Jones, right? Yeah, who's more who's more loved in in uh, New Zealand? I, I, we probably need to Stacey ask Jones. Kiwi this. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not going that far. Sean Johnson or RTS? RTS. 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 He's the man. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. The um, yeah, S S J left, mate, but. Then uh, he, he didn't he didn't leave, didn't they? Didn't they sort of kick him out the door type of thing? Like see yeah. see, see your mate pack your bags, like quite possibly cle- cleared out his locker for him and all that <laughs> that type of deal. <laughs> Fair enough, quite possibly. Uh they've also picked up this year the uh, New Zealand Warriors. They picked up Aaron Penney from uh the Storm, who I think was one of their depth players over there. And I, I only saw him in a couple of the games, but he looks to be like that typical um, you know, wide, wide shoulders sort of bustling forward. Uh, they've also picked up a couple of interesting guys next. They picked up Jesse Arthurs from the Brisbane Broncos on a one-year loan deal, which I guess we'll come to because there's a bit of interest in Jesse Arthurs. And they've also picked up Ash Taylor, who's just, he's come off his train and trial deal and they've actually signed him to a one-year deal. And I guess yeah. I guess Ash Taylor, after getting what five years at the Titans on eight billion dollars, right, <laughs> to basically do nothing. I guess is he paying them? Is he paying them to play there? Yeah. Well, I, I was about to say he's basically just on his retirement tour, is he not? <laughs> well, if it's not retirement tour, it's certainly his last crack. Um, if he gets the crack, yeah. Uh, unless unless he goes to uh, Super League. Well, that, and, that, and that is that is the NRL's version of the superannuation fund, right? <laughs> it's, it is very and very few people ret- make the return trip, apart from possibly Conrad Hurrell, who might be making a return to the Dolphins. But again, I think the Dolphins oh, wow. may also turn out to be the NRL's equivalent of the Super Leagues at the moment. So, <laughs> well, they've sent Wayne Bennett up there, so they've already got a retirement plan going. <laughs> Oh god! And and who who's their best signing up at the Dolphins so far? Jermaine Asako, Kafusi, Kafusi. There we go, Kafusi and Jermaine Asako. The the, that, that, the dream that, that's team. That's team bred for success, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we love you, the Dolphins. So, you know, if you ask me to find Redcliffe on a map, you know, I'd probably point to Uluru. But 
you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. So there go all the Redcliffe listeners. <laughs> you know what? Just while we're here, can I say a big shout out to all what looked to be like the Warriors fans and our fans in Great Britain, by the way, because between uh, the UK and New Zealand, we actually almost had as many listeners as Australia. Oh wow! That's it. Oh, that's it. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank so, you very much for our you. friends across the ditch. Exactly, mate. I won't. I won't try and say say anything. Uh, you know, in the native tongue. I was just going to go on a yeah. I was going to go on a round to that just in charge and closing the border again, but I'll keep my mouth shut now. Yeah, hundred percent. So, look, let's let's move on. So, look, we've yep. got Jesse Arthur's and loan deal. We got Ash Taylor, Aaron Penney, and Sean Johnson. So, I guess we'll dive into some of those because, like, two of them are fantasy relevant. So, but let's move on to the injuries list. So, Mitch, going to hand it over to you, mate. Talk talk us through. Who's injured and what the yep. prognosis is? Yep, so we've got a, a few uh, injuries on the Warriors. Not so much as last week, which is good. So just quickly, uh, Bunty Athoa, hamstring injury uh, sustained at the conclusion of last season. Uh, like we've been saying through the first two episodes of the podcast, guys, he's had full off-season and pre-season to rehab and recondition. Um, if you're looking to pick him, I would have very little concerns after he's gotten through those trials, um, so long as he doesn't have reoccurrence, which... As I said uh, last week, they're, they're pretty good at preventing that. So that's Bunty Athar. Uh, ben Murdoch, uh, Masilla, foot injury. Now, I, I had a good look to find out what this foot injury was. And, uh, and a lot of the NRL teams, and you know, having done a little bit of work from them uh, from time to time, they, they do like to keep the injuries close and often they won't even post half the injuries the players have. So I couldn't find out what the nature of the foot injury was. Um, but given he's predicted to return um, in the trials and he hasn't seemed to have any major surgery, once again, I would suspect. So long as he passes the eye test in the trials, he should be okay. Probably the big one and, and the one everyone's waiting to hear and talk about um, is Torhu Harris. So probably, uh, and I had him last year and, and got badly burned when he had this ACL, but I would consider him to be uh, one of, if not the best um, DPP in NRL fantasy um, big thing for him, we spoke. I spoke about this last week. Is he's looking to return um, at the the eight to ten uh, week uh, mark? So currently, I think he's predicted to be round ten. Um, that would put him to return sometime in mid May. Now we spoke last week that I generally like that twelve months of rehab for ACL modelling um, before I pick them. What that remodelling basically is is when you have an ACL surgery, they use muscles. Uh, typically a hamstring muscle to become the ACL ligament. And it takes time for that tissue to sort of adapt and become like the ligament. And generally it is about 12 uh, months. A lot of the NRL boys use uh, a series of tests to try and, or, or conditioning and then pass a series of tests to try and drop the, the risk of that. The thing with Harris where I would say he's different to a lot of the guys where I wouldn't um, pick him is that he's generally a workhorse. So a lot of his points are going to be coming off uh, tackle and hit-ups uh, and as a result, I'm a lot less concerned that he will sustain um, re-injury. As always, though, um, because he is a workhorse and he is going to be playing lots of um, minutes eventually, my suspicion is at least the first two to three weeks he will have a reduced role in some degree. Uh, and that scenario you know, gives you a bit of a chance to have a look at him and then I would expect that um, we could all cash in on a, on a potentially uh, priced cash cow where we can sort of grab him and, and keep him for the season. Hundred percent. 
And I guess, uh, I guess Nick, you've got a bit of a rundown of him a bit later on as well. Yep, yep. Huge rap on Tohu. Um, yeah, huge fan. Yeah, 100%. I know, I know that he is someone that I'll, I'll put it out there now. I'm going to say chuck a star on him because I want to watch him as soon as he, as soon as he passes the eye test, you know, and he's, he's bottomed out in price. I want him in my team. So, um, and the other one, of course, is Sean Johnson. Um, look, I have praised sort of the NRL on hamstring injuries, and, and I think largely we're doing, or they're doing really well with rehabbing them. The thing I have, um, or concern I have with Sean is, and particularly since he did have that that major Achilles rupture, he really has gone from um, one muscle or tenderness injury to another, not dissimilar to uh, Matt Moylan, who he was a teammate of last year. And I think, and it's really unfortunate that players can just start to get into a bit of an injury cycle where they've had a couple of major injuries. And what typically just starts to happen is different parts of the body are required to compensate and make up for that one area that really isn't ever going to be 100% again. And in that scenario, a particular player like Johnson, who's known for mobility, for speed, for explosive um, play, when they can't operate at 100 or 105% and they're asking other structures within the body to pick up the slack, the tendency is that they're just going to buff uh, a new site. Him doing his hamstring really is another example of that. Um, while I do think he, he is, again, probably going to have a fairly strong role in both the kicking and try assist, and he probably will have the odd tackle break, you really are opening yourself up to having to eventually trade him out with an injury and, and potentially dropping a bit of cash when he goes into town in the 20th minute and uh to a game like he did for me um, towards the back end of last year. So <laughs> they're my thoughts on Sean Johnson. Um, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, he, he certainly will score points and will be able to fulfill his role, but not sure um, about his durability. I'd be very, very cautious or very, very desperate if I was going to pick him up. 100%. And I have seen, the part of the reason I was wanting to hear about SJ, a lot of fantasy players have had him in one of their initial drafts. So, and I, yeah, I do think there's a bit of risk with him as well as uh, being a victim of the uh, Cleary kick meter nerf. Well, that too, and I, I do, I do think, and this, this always comes with, and I think it's something that we we should say is like, you know, if you're always going with with the grain in NRL fantasy, um, you're probably never going to be anywhere up there. You do need to sometimes take a bit of a a bit of a punt um, on someone who might be a bit out there to try and get the leg up. But for the love of God, not that one. Yeah. Uh, just, just want your thoughts, Mitch, on um, Sean Johnson, hamstring, Achilles, and how that sort of will affect his goal kicking, if anything. Um, Achilles, again, largely he seems to, to be able to get through games um, uh, pretty pretty well since that surgery uh, and has, has been able to kick pretty well. Hamstrings, uh, look, they, they can affect the kicking, but if he's returning to play uh, and he's able to run and cut and change his direction, which, which he really should be able to do if, he, if he's going out there, um, he should be able to kick. So um, as long as he's deemed the number one kicker, I would expect him to kick. Awesome. Well, I guess the only other kicker they have down there is Reese Walsh, who, look, he's a stud, and we'll get to him, but he didn't strike me as necessarily the most accurate goal kicker in the world. He's not the second coming of Adam Reynolds. So, yeah, I think SJ might pick up a fair few shots. That's that's good to hear. That at least at least you know he he's he's likely if he's if he's fit he's likely to get a shot at uh, kicking goals. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think as I said, if he's if he's out there, his role will be the same. The problem is how long is he going to be out there for? 
Okay. Dur- durability is a concern, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, that, I think that's the, the big red flag is he's going to play. He's probably, his capacity to play will be much what we've seen in the past. It's just how long is that going to be and, and is he going to go down? And if you're you know, willing to take that chance and, and possibly have to burn a trade, then, then he could be a good pickup. But um, there's certainly a fairly large risk attached yeah, to that. If, if you hear me type in the background, I'm currently uh, writing up the thing, putting uh, him in the bus category under durability <laughs> status. So good to know. Or, all right. So thanks for the injury roundup, Mitch. That's all good. Amazing as always. Okay. And now we're going to move on to the Warriors strength of schedule. Sorry, uh, Warriors fans. Quick shout out to my mate Shaq. I think he's the only Warriors fan in Australia. I don't think there's many around here. Um, uh, unfortunately, Warriors fans, you have the uh, 14th overall schedule, which means you have the third hardest. Um, you have the buy round 17, which is good. Um, and actually, you get a beautiful start to the year. So check this one out, guys. You get the Dragons round one, who we think are... Yep, that's a that's a win. Titans round two. Um, I think that's, that's an away game, so maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> Tigers round Tigers round three, that's a layup. Um, Broncos round four. Look, I don't think Stu and I like the Broncos. Mitch likes the Broncos. I would say that should be a pretty decent game. Um that they could win and then the Cowboys round five so first five games you got three consensus terrible teams in the Dragons Tigers and Cowboys but then I'm sorry Warriors fans Roosters Storm and Raiders after that <laughs> so you know the, the, the party ends pretty quick and, you know, um, do, you, do you know what though if we're talking about teams that are notorious giant slayers you've got to the, the Warriors have to be in the conversation as one of the all time great teams in Busting up the, those top top teams, but but also falling asleep uh, against uh, flogs like the dragons and tigers. Absolutely, yeah. mate. They're, they're, they're storm giant killers, that's for sure. But I mean, I don't know what the DNA of the team is against the storm these days. You know, no one's a storm killer these days. I, I would say. Um, on the Apart whole, from the mighty Panthers. Yeah, I, I, he got me there, but um, you know they won the whole comp, so they 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 sort of needed to win that game. Right there, so, um, so yeah, so just to just to keep going, um, they've also so you get to versus Storm twice, um, the Panthers twice, and the Rabbitohs twice. Um, so you know it's it's not a great uh, strength of, uh, strength of schedule for you guys. Um, and you're the second worst run home post. Round 18 is just littered with just, oh, yuck. So, names like the Eels, Raiders, Storm, Rabbitohs, uh, Panthers, Titans. It's just not a nice run home. You got the Bulldogs and Cowboys sprinkled it, sprinkled in there, but on the whole, it's pretty nasty run home. Um, uh, if you're looking at um, your, your run home for your fantasy players, um, I dare say the Warriors may be making quite a few tackles, I'd say. Uh, yum 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 Torhu Harris yeah yeah I mean it might might steer you away from some of the backs but um, you know if Tohu's looking good around that that time of year um, he could be a bit spicy a bit delicious you know might might pick him up post origin we'll see I think it's one of the, the, the things that a lot of fantasy players miss that's, this is probably like an underrated critical element of the, the cast is that if, you, if you're looking at a team how well it performs is Purely going to be based on how well the team, as in the fantasy scoring, will be very much reflected on how the team itself is performing. 
And if you don't factor in what sort of um, uh, opposition your fantasy players are going to be up against, it can drastically affect your scoring. So just really take note of that, guys. Um, it, it's a biggie. Well, just check out Manly last year. You know, Ruben Garrick just absolutely soaring, you know. not I like Ruben Garrick as a player, but he's not one of the top players in the league, yet he was one of the top fantasy players on the run home because Manly were just firing in all cylinders. So um, just to ram home Mitch's point there. 100%. No, definitely. I One of the few guys I didn't get on last year is kicking myself all year, thinking, oh, it's got to come down at some point. Never did. Kicked a 1,000 goals. Bit like if, bit, bit like if you didn't get Cleary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick. Imagine if you didn't get Cleary. Yeah, there you go. Okay. You would be awkward leave, if you write a podcast telling people what to do if you didn't have Cleary. Like, oh, okay, right. I got him eventually, guys. I got him eventually. Uh, <laughs> round twenty-seven, and then had to mor- had to mortgage the house and everything. So <laughs> to come up with the cash, but um, uh, that's it. Okay, so look, not a great strength of schedule by the sound of it, Nick. So that's good to know. No. But great start if you guys, if we're going to find some cash cows. So look, let's run through the 17. Let's see if we can find some guys who might be a buy to make uh, some use of those first few soft rounds, huh? So look, I've got the best 17, and then I've got a few additions here because they've got a few guys suspended, like for the first round. Uh, aye, like, aye, aye. So j- just to put it out there, so we've got Reese Walsh suspended for a uh, suspicious nose candy incident. <laughs> so he's suspended for the first round. And we have Matt Lodge suspended for being Matt Lodge. Uh, I'm sure if I ever meet you in person, I'll just say, hi, Matt Lodge. But, you know, I'll, from the depth of podcast, I can say, glad you're not playing for the Panthers. And <laughs> he's also suspended for the first round. So, oh, boy. All right, so basically, let's go through the top, uh, what looks like to be the best 17. So at fullback, we have Reese Walsh. Uh, we got DWZ there, probably round one. Uh, and on the wing, we got Dallin Wateni Zelezniak as well. And uh, possibly Jesse Arthur's filling on the wing, round one. Uh, three, I've got Rocco Berry. And I know some people, the Warriors' back line is a bit iffy at the moment, but I'm hearing some good things about Rocco Berry. Uh, four, I've got Adam Pompey. Five, Marcelo Montoya, who's a pretty good winger. Not great for fantasy, but pretty good winger. Six, yeah, solid bloke. 100%. Six, I've currently got SJ, uh, which is pretty firm. Seven is a bit of a gamble because they've got so many players who can play this position, but I've currently got Cody Nicarima playing there, which seems to be a bit of consensus pick because uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita is looking to go to market. So often when they do that, teams, they put them on the back burner a bit more for guys who might want to re-sign. It's possibly also why they're keeping around uh, Ash Taylor for a season. And look, Ash Taylor could be a smoky, but... You know, if he somehow gets in, I think we're going to have to drug test Nathan Brown. So, okay, number eight, we have Matt Lodge, who's probably replaced by someone like Ben Murdoch Masala, uh, round one. Uh, nine, we have Wade Egan, who was a surprise packet from last season. Uh, Ten, we have Adam Fanua Blake, who, you know, he had that terrible knee injury last year, but came back as strong as he started. Oh, that was gruesome, wasn't it, that injury? Yeah, it was like a car crash style injury. Yeah. 
but he he he, bounce, he bounced back. So and he and he finished the season strongly. I said eleven. I've got Tohu Harris, uh, but obviously for the first you know ten or so rounds, I've got either Katoa, Alicia Katoa, or uh, Bailey Sirinan, possibly rounds one through ten. Uh, at twelve, I've got Ewan Aitken. At thirteen, Josh Curran, another surprise packet from last season. Fourteen, Jazz Tavanga. Fifteen, Bailey Sirinan. 16, Ben Murdoch-Masala, and 17, Bunty Alfoa. So others, the there's a couple of other guys hanging around this team who could always make a jump into the team. They could start, like it's Nathan Brown, guys. Anyone could start. Anyone could be cut. He could be playing this week. Who knows? <laughs> so, Captain Coach. <laughs> mate, look. He, and, this and then just sla- oh, slap his half back on the side. <laughs> and this is the danger, right? Is that now, now that they've lost uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek out of the team, right? And Tahu Harris is injured. I would trust almost no one in this team to be a full twenty-four rounds game picked player, right? This year of play twenty-four games because Nathan Brown is Nathan Brown. But look, in the rest of the team, we have. Uh, Chanel Harris Tavita, so who could be another number seven option or even the number fourteen style option. Uh, we have uh, Elisa Katoa, who was a bit of a he was a twenty twenty breakout player, wasn't he? Guys, when when COVID first happened and everyone got injured, he really came in, made some real coin, didn't he? He did. He, he had a big role in uh, the second row. Uh, good at tackle busts and uh, and and really good just uh, in making sure he makes tackles, not too many missed tackles. He was a, he was a great pickup actually. 100%. That was when um, you know a whole bunch of the Warriors works didn't didn't come over and he he was just you know, took took the opportunity. You know? Yes, and they had then all those injuries. Remember, like they did guys did pec injuries, they did all sorts of injuries to see them out for the season. An ACL in there somewhere. Yeah, I was a bit surprised to not really see him last year, actually, after, um, you know, being very, very powerful, obviously, sort of uh, ball runner. 100%. And, like, he, he and Bailey Searin, I think, are two players that they're just not getting the best out of the Warriors. Like, I, you know, I really wish that, um, you know, they go to some place that were used a bit more because Katoa passes the eye test flat hands down. Uh, yep, we'd love to have him in our team, that's for sure. 100%. Look, they've also got, I've just had a couple more guys from here. They've got uh, Aaron Penne who's come over. He might get a run at some point. Jack Murchie, who saw a bit of game time last year. Jesse Arthur's on the loan deal. And you never know. He might knock any one of the back line out and start. And he's a pretty tasty dual uh, position player. And uh, Ash, like obviously I've mentioned before, Ash Taylor is somehow sitting in there on a one-year deal. So you never know. He might get a deal. I would say in case of origin, but I don't think there's any any origin players in here at all outside of maybe Reese Walsh. I think yeah, that's I, the only I, guy who's eligible, right? Yeah, I was just trying to work that out. Ma- well, Matt Lodge is eligible you, for New South Wales. You and Aiken's eligible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if we're, if we're going to be ba- technical, ba- he's, ba- he's ba- eligible. Uh, Bailey Sirian <laughs> is eligible, though we're pretty low <laughs> down in the depth chart if he gets a run. I like yeah. Bailey Sirian though. But yeah. yeah I'd, I'd, I don't see many of these guys uh, usurping any of those origin encumbers, you no. know. It's such a strong team for New South Wales. and I guess I maybe if there was like players. a minor bus crash or something and they're all just injured for the week or something. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, mate. That's Come why on. I said minor bus crash. Minor. <laughs> I didn't say plane crash or nothing. It's like, like a fender bender. <laughs> anyway, moving on. 
All right, let's move on to, let's dig into these fantasy relevant players and we'll hand it over to a stats guru, Nick Lord. So Nick, can hey. you take us away with the first player? Okay, guys. Um, as a Dragons fan, I had to watch this man play many games and I think he's actually found his home. So you and I... Nathan Brown? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nathan Brown is doing very well across the ditch, not in Australia. Um, oh, no, he's in Australia, damn it. Um, <laughs> um, you, you and I can 540k, um, so he's, he's not cheap. Um, his break-even's 43. His, 20, uh, his 2020, 2021 average was 43 as well. He played 14 games. Um, he plays hard. So, um, as a result of playing hard, I'm sure Mitch can speak to this in a sec, but I'm not sure about his durability because he, he just goes into everything a million miles per hour. He's a DPP, so he plays edge and center guys. So, if you're looking for a center and you're looking for a pick and stick, this could be your guy. He was an absolute revelation in the second row uh, when he moved there. I think it was due to injury last year. He averaged 55.3 Um in six games, uh, once you remove one injury-affected game, his average goes from 55.3 to 64.2. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that 64.2 is sustainable, but he's a tackle-busting dude. He runs hard. He tackles hard. He makes his tackles. Um, his career average at center is 40.9. So if he if he lines up at center, uh, which we don't have him as, I, I wouldn't touch him, but... I mentioned 55.3 in the second row, but if you sort of get rid of that one game, it goes up to 64.2, which is, you know, a 19-point improvement over his break-even. Mitch, what do you think about um, Ewan Atkin as a prospect and also his durability because he's an absolute missile? Yeah, any time you're playing like a missile, there's certainly a risk of those major sort of acute injuries. So, you know... uh, fractures to the extremities, particularly uh, collarbone and forearm. Um, he does have a relatively good injury history, though. Um, he's a littler guy, and they do tend to have a, a slightly better durability um, in that regard. Um, unless you're Matt Duffy and you're just thrown around like a rag doll. <laughs> Um, but so there's no. a diminishing returns at his height. <laughs> That's right. So there, there is a limit on how, how good it is to be small. Um, I don't have huge concerns over his durability. Probably my big thing is um, Nathan Brown, as Stu was sort of alluding to, I just don't trust him as a coach. You know, again, a bit of a gridiron follower. Nathan Brown's like Bill Belichick. You just don't know who's going to be playing next week. So um, I, I, I think, you know, he's got the ability to um, be good in the second row, and I'm not concerned about his injuries. I'm just worried that um, that he might not be playing there every week. What I would say, though, is if he does start in the second row, as you said, I do think, you know, given that um, they're playing the St. George Flogs round one yeah. um, and, and the Tigers, if they get a few wins together, Brownie probably won't change. Um, he could cement that spot. He might cement it or at least hold it for six rounds until... They drop a couple of games and then he decides to move him. So he could be a, a, at least a, a bit of a, a cash um, cash flow sort of guy where you, you make a quick 70 or 80 and then jump off the wagon. So I'll certainly be putting a star on him, but um, it'll really depend on where he's going to be starting week one, I think. Yeah. Uh, Stu, what, what do you reckon? Um, he's, you know, typically we see guys move into the edge position. Sometimes I move from... Um, the middle to the edge, uh, but he like say Josh Kerr, let's say, but he's a edge 
he's a center moving to the edge. So I'm not too worried about his defense, and that's sort of the reason why most guys get dropped, don't don't you think? Yeah, so he, I, I'm he, not I'm, I'm not too fearful of him being dropped. Yeah, he's not short on the leg speed, which is often what catches people out on the outside, which is being able to keep up with a um, with a center running at him. But the and look, I think he's I don't think he's an all season keeper. Simply due to the fact that we've had uh, Tohu Harris, who we're talking about, he's going to be back at some point, and he he commands a starting spot and eighty minutes. But I think that if Ewan Aitken gets that spot and gets seventy to eighty minutes on the edge over there, I'm probably going to start with him, especially in those first few rounds, knowing at some point that he will get shuffled because of Nathan Brown. And I'll have to call it, and I'll be on here bitterly complaining about Nathan Brown. <laughs> right? It will be happening. You'll listen to I'm it. looking forward to it. That's it. I, But, like, you know it's coming. It's not like one of those guys where it just happens out of nowhere. But I think that he plays hard. The other thing to wonder about Ewan Aitken is to note who is playing outside Ewan Aitken. Because Ewan Aitken does not pass the ball. Ever. <laughs> Like I'm pretty sure that they measured in a number of games that he passed once in something like ten games. <laughs> is that a legit stat, or did you just? No, no, no. I, I, I'm not making that up. It's, it's. I'm not surprised. It's pretty I'm gross. Honest. He does not pass, and so you got to yeah. worry about that. Whoever's outside him, whoever is his center and his winger, right? Jesse Arthur's may look exciting, but if he's playing outside you and Aitken, unless you and Aitken <laughs> is getting cut out. By yeah. ball. <laughs> he's not getting no ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to receive a pass from Aiken either. I'm not sure it would arrive on time when in the right spot anyway. So um, you're probably likely to get a turnover, don't you think, as a result of receiving an Aiken pass? That's... He'd be so surprised you got it, you wouldn't be ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're basically doing running drills outside of him, aren't you? <laughs> when he's running the ball forward. Decoys. <laughs> drills. Sprint drills, boys. Oh All boy! Right. So yeah, that that's it. Look, I'm I'm definitely keen on the UNH can train. So he's in my draft team at the moment. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, he's in my starting side at the moment. Uh, huge, huge fan. I see a twenty-one point upside. I know it's you know very unlikely it's going to happen. Um, I'm seeing a twelve-point upside, uh, which would be nice. But a twenty-one, I just personally cannot go past, and I will be risking it for that biscuit. Um, uh, we'll move on to um, the next guy um, that we we think is pretty fantasy relevant. Um, Rissy Walsh, um, absolute stud and a stud muffin, dare I say. Six fifty five k, a break even of fifty three. You know he averaged forty eight point six. Um, so I'm not sure why his break even's actually uh, almost five points higher. And he plays sixteen games, um, and he's only a wing fullback. Um, as I said. He's a stud at a stud muffin, uh, nine tries, 11 try assists, 14 line breaks, nine light uh, line break assists, um, 3.3 tackle bust per game. And he actually put in 142 kick meters as well. So, you know, he did a little bit of everything. Um, I'm not too worried about his downside. He, he missed two missed tackles, and one error per game. Um, but guys, nine tries, eleven tries, is fourteen line breaks, and nine line breakers is in only sixteen games. I'm not saying it's turbo esque, but you know it's up there. Um, what are th- what are our thoughts on on Walshy Stew? 
Mate, I think Reese Walsh is a great player. I think whoever let him go, I think they're head of performance, ahead of uh, recruitment up there and retention. I'm pretty sure that they were sacked up at the Broncos, not uh, not because Mister NRL 360 came up there, but because they let <laughs> Reese Walsh go. Oh, absolutely! And it's just it's insane to know that this guy was hanging around, and they were playing Jermaine Asako and Tessie New, and thinking about Herbie Farnsworth up there. Like this, it's it's a real lost opportunity for the Broncos. But look, good for the game because it means is that you know we. Um, we lose to Avasashek, which is real shame. But you know they they replace him with someone who might not be necessarily the quite the same player, but he's still like a top level. Quality. You know what? I, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm not saying he's as good as RTS for for many reasons. You know, return meters, tackle busts, all the little defensive things he did. But I think he's a more electric player. I think he's you know just as exciting, if not better to watch because he's just he's just got this energy about the way he plays the game mm. um, you know Roger made the game look e- like too easy like the way he'd step inside people and, and, and blow past people and bust through tackles but Reese Walsh he is just oh so good to watch and um, so just so good to watch he's just bursting through the screen I reckon 100% um, the only thing I see about Reese Walsh fantasy wise that really stands out to me is that he's 655 K, right? For a guy possibly not likely to kick goals if SJ is kicking goals or Nicarima is kicking goals. So that's a bit of a danger there. I think that he's priced at like if he's playing out of his skin. I think that I don't think the I think his run of form might continue, but I don't see any points in him. And I don't necessarily see him as having shown the chops yet to be a top three or four uh fullback in the NRL just yet. If he's not kicking goals, have you even got a star on him, Mitch? Um, no, I don't. I don't have a star on him if he's not kicking goals. I think to Stu's point, six fifty-fives. Like, is there much more of a ceiling to go? Probably not. Um, I would say that you look at hundred. Yeah, well, and you and you look at um the the start to this. You look at the Warriors backline. Um. He he is probably the most likely to score points in that back line, particularly with that first five, six games. But I'm just not staking uh, that much cash and, and a starting position on him exploding in the first four to six rounds. Again, as I said earlier, he's the sort of pick that if you went with him and, and it worked out and you quickly jumped off at the right time, he might pick up 100K and get off to a good start in the fantasy season. But um, awesome player to watch. Um really good for the game and will be good for the Warriors. But as far as fantasy goes, um, at that price with this team, uh, I'll probably be sticking away. I think if he was on the Penrith Panthers or the Melbourne Storm where they're going to 100% score points, I'd probably be picking him up or even the, the Seagulls. But um, just with this this sort of mediocre Warriors side, I think he's a bit of a risk. Um, but if you're going to do it, you need to do it round one when they've got that soft schedule and he, and he, look, he will pick up points in those games. Yeah, and to, to your point, Mitch, I think that uh, if you were looking to get 100k off someone, I think there's a lot safer bets, like you chuck on Chris Randall or someone like that, or you and Aitken above, right? Because Reese Walsh could lose 100k and still be more, you've still spent more on him than uh, you'd spend on you and Aitken round one. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just a lot of coin for him to lose if he has a couple of bad games or goes off injured. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't think. 
um, to, to rush him in round one, it just doesn't make sense, guys. So, you know, if you want, um, you know, stud and stud muffin uh, fantasy teams, pick him. But otherwise, um, uh, he definitely will not, I repeat, will not be my round one fantasy team. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I should have like an unrecommended segment, like definitely not recommended. <laughs> like 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 do it in your dead. Like 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 have like a picture of like Scarlet like a a guy. Exactly like that. Like pick these guys and you're dead. Your fantasy season's <laughs> over. Like like if you didn't pick Nathan Cleary, you can't. Oh, come on, please. Come on. Come on. Especially if you didn't repent after like the first couple of rounds. I know Why you got TikToks, put- but why, why do you think I'm putting in so much work this year, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. N- who's next, Nick? Um, I, I had Ch- Chanel Harris to Vita, um, but based upon our discussions about Cody Nickarima getting spot, I think he's pretty irrelevant at the point. Um, so I'm going to skip him. Next. Go straight into, yeah, don't don't bother with uh, CHT, guys. Um, Pick him and you're dead. If, even if he's starting, long story short, he's not worth it anyway. Um, Tohu Harris, guys, um, he's come up. Uh, he's a, he's just everything you want a fantasy player. He doesn't miss tackles, makes them, runs the ball up, DPP edge mid. Um, he's very expensive as a result of all this. So he's 763K, break even of 61, and he averaged uh, 58.9 in 2021. And as a forward, he's got a 0.85 ppm. Guys, if anything over, I think, 0.8, you really need to sit up and, and, and watch, um, especially when you get someone like Tohu, who's playing 80 minutes. Um, as Mitch said, he did his ACL uh, last year, so we're not sure when we'll see him. Um, now, he actually injured himself in a couple of games, so if you remove those two injury-affected games, um, he actually averaged 66.2 Ooh. this season. So... Break even of 61, average of 66.2 is just, you know, it must be up there with, um, you know, Harsey is one of the best uh, forwards in the game. Um, but I'm not I'm not too sure um, when he'll be back and if he'll be firing all cylinders. But, guys, if he's named, pick him, okay? At lock, yeah. I, second row, or prop. He is an absolute boss, I reckon. I agree with a caveat is that, look, when he comes back, I wouldn't be picking up week one. I would week be, three. oh yeah, I would be a couple of games, kind of like what we a lot of us did with Turbo last year, because the answer is that Tohu, even if he got a century, his price won't jump that much. He's just too expensive, right? But if he comes in and he has a bit of limited game time, as I think that he will, they're not going to put him 80 minutes around one. They'll probably ease him in. Yep. Uh, and I'm hoping that the... Warriors looking to sneak into the eight, so they will play him hard, though, after a couple of games. And he can just be like that final round keeper who will just be your 14th man, cover both front row positions, and hopefully, instead of being 763k, comes in 600. Oh, 600 is still right, Mitch. 600? What are you talking about? At best, you get dropped to 690. I, I I think I'll sandwich bit that. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So you think floor? Oh, oh, oh. No, 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 no. Floor. If okay. he gets below six ninety, I'm eating your lunch. <laughs> you said at best. Yeah, right. Uh, you're on. Done. Okay. okay. We'll run the notes. We'll, I'm we'll... stealing. I'm stealing. I'm stealing food out of Zoe's mouth. I, I, so, I'm, I'm going to be the sniper on the roof for Tokyo <laughs> Harris. 
just he's, as he's a reminder, go down one game. Just as a reminder, uh, a sandwich bet is when you get two pieces of bread, you put ten thousand dollars in the middle, and the other person <laughs> has to eat it. <laughs> uh, that's like a lose lose uh, under that scenario. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll be swallowing that sandwich and, and taking the ten grand at the end of it. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> I, I I would agree with you, Stu. Though I just I, I feel like even a player of Tohu's capability uh, and skill, and even though I do think he's the beating heart of um, this New Zealand Warriors team, that you'd be silly not to play him in. So a forty-minute game followed by probably a sixty-five-minute effort. And then boom, he hates the um, hits that eighty-minute mark. Um, so I'm hoping that's not worth more than a seventy-three k drop. Um, <laughs> and and um, also, also a quick side note, guys. He's also proof that you can um, succeed out of Melbourne. You know, um, well, this this is true because that's a long-term theory of mine that if you're uh, not good in Melbourne, you're not good anywhere. Well, he was good in Melbourne, but I do get your point. Yeah. He's 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 unlike Jordan McLean and everyone else. He's come out and performed elsewhere. Brody Croft. <laughs> oh boy, Jordan McLean. Um. So so just to uh, keep rounding out this Ford pack, uh, we've also got um, Adam Fenua Blake. Um, likely to be the other starting prop. Um, he's sort of awkward pricing as well. Six fifty one k break even of fifty two with a twenty twenty one average of fifty point seven. He played 15 games. Unfortunately, guys, he's only mid, not an edge. Um, I'm not sure I want to see him on an edge anyway. He's a pretty, pretty big bopper. But he's a 0.92 PPM in 2021, guys. Anything over 0.8, you need to sit up and look. Uh, he, and he plays long minutes. 58.2 as a big boy per game, which means, you know, we're likely to see... Um, really good scores from him. I had a quick look at his um, minutes. When he plays over 60 minutes, he averages 63.4. So his PPM actually went up the longer he played. So, um, you know, it's... You, picking around round one is a risk, right? But if he can get these minutes, he may well be worth a look. Um, what, what do you think, Stu? Look, I think that... Um, I think Adam Fenua-Blake... He's basically the exact same price that he started with last year, from what I can see, right? Um, if I'm looking back now, 46 always mucks around with the pricing a bit, but he was yep. almost exactly this price last year, right? And he basically went up and down, and he played a lot of good games along the way, but he could be inconsistent in a few, and so that's why he kind of started where he ended. So, look, I think he's one of those guys where they've got around 17 buy. So if you if you're playing for overall and you're really playing for points, you, you can jam him in there somewhere. But I think there's probably a little bit better value where some guys can make some money. Therefore, if they get injured or dropped, you can at least trade up. Whereas I think with Adam Fenua Blake, like he might make some money in that soft first five rounds, but I don't think enough to make it worth having him. But I think he could be like one of those. If he was in your final team, would you be sad? I wouldn't be. No, not at all. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a boss player. Like as a prop, he's played seventy six minutes twice last year. Now, you know, like that's just that's just unheard of. That's true, and you know what? As funnily enough, he's Phil Gould's definition of a man. As interesting a statement as that is, 
I have no idea what that means. Please explain for the listeners and myself, please. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I would like to hear the explanation of that. Well, I, I, th- I think he was just saying it's like it is basically Phil Gould and commentary. I just remember when he was finishing up at the Seagulls and um, I think possibly when um, when Phil Gould was trying to get him to the doggies or something like that, he, he called him uh, basically the definition of a, like of a man. Basically, he's like the manliest man around. So Yeah, right. There you go. He's, do we have? Do we take anything that Phil Gould says seriously anymore? Like, or is he? Is he just you know Grandpa in the background saying saying silly things? It's like, oh, Grandpa, come on, man. Yeah, I, look, I, I've got a lot of time for Phil Gould, but you know, Panthers supporter, like he's he's delivered a lot for the club. And if you I, look at that, I oh, preferred, look at twenty twenty. Yeah, you go. I'm just saying, if as far as delivery for Phil Gould, the uh, the Dragons didn't listen to Phil Gould, and look at the Dragons, right? Team this year, the uh, Bulldogs hide Phil Gould. Look at where the Bulldogs are looking this year and next year. What did the What did he say to the Dragons? Didn't he want them to keep McGregor? He He wanted them, but he wanted them to change a lot of things around recruitment, right, and uh, pathways and retention and things like that. He really just wanted to get these young guys through and start recruiting better. And instead, you got Francis Molo. <laughs> Jaden Sewer. We'll get into it later in the pod. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, that's it. They're there this week. We'll, we'll talk about the the many ills of not listening to Phil Gould. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got an agenda these days, uh, old Gussie. So, um, you know, it's really hard to take anything he says very se- seriously, as Mitch was sort of alluding yeah, to. So. I, I think he's so, more hot air than uh, hot advice. Yeah, Fair enough. Great. Oh well, I guess I guess Mitch Brown uh, of Sydney has just called Adam Fanua Blake not a man officially on the podcast. So Adam, if you're listening out there or someone from New Zealand is, please let him know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, and, no, on that, and on that note, uh, Josh Curran, guys, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's actually more expensive than Adam Fanua Blake. I'm not sure if he's more of a man though. Um, I have to ask us. <laughs> He's 675 k. He wears um, head gear. He's not. <laughs> oh, Gus he? would say it. Now, G- Gus would say it. No, no. Me, I personally, I don't mind. That's friggin' smart. You're going to have your head split open at some point. but Yeah, yeah. Um, break even of 54, 22-1 average of 52.1. He played 15 games. He was sort of all over the place in the middle and the edge. So he's got both of those um, positions. His PPM, guys, it's 0.74. So I'm not loving it. But, you know, his, his output's very solid. Um, he's definitely one to have a look at. Um, I think he will be starting. Uh, Stu has not lock. I definitely think he'll get a spot on the starting side, um, especially with Tohu out. Um, when he played lock, he averaged 47.7 and 67.3 mins. Um, when he played second row, he averaged 56.2 in 75.5. So... When he plays second row, he virtually played the whole game and his averages were much better. Um, and obviously, interchange, his average was 25.3. Just don't... If if for some reason Nathan Brown puts, you know, one of his real, you know, bright lights of last year on the interchange, don't touch him. But um, second row is ideally where we would like to see him if he's locked. I know it sounds good, but he doesn't actually... He performs nine points worse if he actually plays lock guys. So... Um, I think you're a big fan of Josh Curran, aren't you, Stu? Uh, look, I, I like him. Uh, he's He does very well. Uh, he plays very hard. And he racked up some big scores last year in the second row. I think his average is busted. 
uh, sorry, pushed up because in round 21 versus the Sharks, he got an 83. Round 22 versus the Bulldogs, he got a meat pie and got 97. So he can put on, on a, a On a barbecue or, or, or something <laughs> like that, right, Mitch? <laughs> so he he played... Um, so for that 97, he played the full 80, scored a try, three line breaks, but it was the 2021 Bulldogs, okay? So <laughs> I, think, I think his score may be propped up by that. And, oh, he also racked up a big score versus the Dragons in round six where he first came to prominence. Played eighty minutes and uh, scored a sixty-six. So now to, to he, put into context, a, though, are you surprised he scored better on an edge? Were you more likely to get better attacking set stats than through lock? Not, not at all. But like lock is, I think, better for base stats. But he looks like you. I think you hit the nail on the head. He looks like he does. Sorry, hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Let me say that three times quickly. Uh, Please don't. Uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he looks to be that sort of attacking player, kind of like a lesser version of uh, Angus Crichton, where if he gets those chances... Great comparison. I he, love that. He will bounce up some big scores because he will be the bigger guy against the smaller guy and he can pick him out. But he's not quite the size of a butt bursting through the middle lock. Yep. Yeah, that that's a brilliant comparison. Huge, huge fan of that. Yeah, poor man's um, Angus Crichton. That's it. Unfortunately, he's not poor man's Angus Crichton priced. So uh, uh, for, for, yeah. for me, I know I've seen a couple of people start him, but and you've you've got a figure in the back of your head at six seventy five k. And I'll say this for the people at home, right? At six seventy five k, you kind of want him to be in your finishing team because. If you're spending that sort of coin, there's not that much money for them to go unless they're Nathan Cleary or Tom Trevojevic. There's just there's not, right? Can he can he tempt you, Mitch, as a middle edge? Not with Nathan Brown as coach. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just put Nathan Brown as the Reaper. Uh, <laughs> put, put his face on it. Yeah, <laughs> like put put it bluntly, that that'll be the reason. Like, I, I really don't think I need to say more than that. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I think your stats are awesome, but I think you should be in the second row. And and that point, basically, you know, I'd hope you'd get to six hundred and ninety-five k, and I could get Torhu Harris and pocket pocket five k, and um, get a sandwich off Stew, and it's all hunky dory. But I don't know. What, I don't know what Nathan Brown's going to do with this team. So. You know, he, he certainly has upside. And again, I think if you're willing to roll the dice that he, he could be that, you certainly could make the sort of transition that, that I'm considering um, making. But it's certainly fraught with a fair amount of risk. That's it. All right. So, uh, Nick, we've got one more player on the list. Who's that? Uh, our um, favorite son of the Warriors, um, other than Stacey Jones, Sean Johnson. I'm at 544k. Um, his break-even's 44, or his 21 average is 48.2. Um, that's due to the Cleary nerf, guys, which is your kick meters being divided by 25, now being divided by 30. So you get, um, uh, what's that, a 16% reduction in your, or 20% reduction in your um, uh, kick meter output. Um, he only played 10 games last year, and he's, and he's a half. Um, guys, I had him last year. I was a huge fan when he was playing, but obviously 10 games is not good enough in a 24-round season. 
Um, he's fifth in kick meters um, in the NRL per game at 369. Um, so I've sort of projected that to be a 2.5 average loss um, due to clear enough. Um, I think who knows who's going to be kicking. Um, who knows whether the Warriors were score any tries for John Johnson if, if he was to kick a kick. Um, based upon what Mitch said as well, I would be quite worried about some sort of other, you know, um, chain injury where, you know, something else is compensating, whether it's an ankle or something like that that goes next. Um, what, what do you think, Mitch? We, you know, we, we know uh, you, um, you understand SJ. What do you think? Um, I, I just think, you know, um, he'll put in big yards of his rehab. He's going to rock up. He's going to give it his all. Um, he'll play through injury, but sooner or later, he's going to really um, do something. Probably when he starts to string a few games together, um, that's typically when he's had issues. He starts to get a bit of confidence and he really starts to become the SJ that we know. And that's where he, he hits that throttle from probably the 95% SJ that he should stick to that to that 105, 110 that we'd all like to see. And that's that's probably where he's going to gonna bust something. So, uh, unfortunately, as I said earlier, I think he's a stay away. And heck, Nathan Brown will probably have him kicking with the other boots. So, who knows what sort of kick meters <laughs> he's going to have. <laughs> he'll, probably, he'll probably work out in his maths that left-footed kickers score 12% better. So, he'll go, oh, you kick with your left now, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And, you know, he's 5% less likely to, to sustain any sort of injury. You know, he is an interesting sort of prospect at 544K because, you know, you look at his break-even at 44 and his average of 48.2. Um, when SJ's at his best, he's a 55 to 60 point a game player. Now, with the clear enough, you know, you could probably knock knock four or five points off that. But um, he could be a nice little cut price cash cap if you thought he wasn't going to get injured. But unfortunately, folks, this is not Tom Trevojevic. Um, Tom Trojevic's major injury was a hamstring. He hasn't really had anything super, super serious that sort of has long-term implications. There are injuries that just never really get um, back to where they were, and they're the sort of ones where you start to stack injury on, on upon injury. And, um, you know, I'd just be very cautious if you have the, the mindset that you could be getting a, a, a turbo, Tom. I really don't think SJ is that. But, you know, he's a bit of a, a spicy pick that if you're thinking maybe I could roll the dice and get a bit of cash and heck, maybe he runs the Gortland, does 24 rounds, yeah, yeah, that could be good. But um, I'd be very, very cautious. Would you take a million, Stu, against um, some uh, lesser opponents? Soft. Look, he's, he's certainly a choice for you. But I must say, for me, half this year, there are a lot of players out there, right, that are cheaper than SJ that have less of an injury risk than SJ. They probably don't necessarily have the known upside that Sean Johnson can get because you're right, he can punch out a 60, 70 plus. But on, on his day with his kicking and his try assists and his accuracy, but it, there's just a lot less risk, I think, especially if you're, uh, if you're playing for Cleary, you probably want to go with one of the lesser lights next to him. It's tough, I think, from a team point of view, if you don't, team building point of view, sorry. Um, if there's not many cash cows around, it's sort of hard to fit these middle price point guys in, even if you really want them, you know? Like, you can get, um, I know we're going to talk Sharks later, you can get Braden Trindle for 478k, for example. So you can sort of trim some fat around the edges when you're looking at your salary cap in terms of who you can actually fit into your team to, to get some guys in the park. Yeah, there aren't many basement guys that you can bring in to sort of free up some cash to, to get the guy that you want. So 
Um, he might be a compromise, guys. Uh, maybe he comes down, um, but I'm not. I haven't quite made up my mind on him. I think. Oh, um, please tell me you're not going to. I, I look. I said Reese Walsh is a stutter stubber, but I think Sean Johnson might be too. Uh, <laughs> you're just picking them how dreamy they are, mate. Oh, uh, Sean Johnson just seems like the nicest bloke ever. And when you put your fantasy team together, if you have some guys, you go, oh, man, I just love that player. It just makes the whole game just a little bit more fun to say. Um, and, and look, he can also put together those games where he gets like four or five try assists or something like that. Um, so, yeah. You yeah, can start the Hot Boys uh, podcast, mate. You can just you can just <laughs> pick, pick a freaking NRL fantasy team of Hot Boys and see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I was close to building one of just flogs and I was like oh, mate too many cheers from you know what we could do a podcast on that I think that could be it could be quite amusing it could be quite amusing until they, the until they find the us on the street mate but look or, uh, or, or we get a letter in the mail and we've got a lawyer <laughs> yeah that's true yeah, uh, can you demonstrate that my lawyer is complete oh you probably can but he still beats you anyway <laughs> Uh, look, the, the one thing I would say with SJ, looking here, right, and looking at his prices, and this is going back because he didn't play many games last year, is like his average wasn't crash hot, which is why he's priced at 544. 2020 SJ. So not going back that far as far as injury goes, right? His price was somewhere in the mids, low to mid 700,000. So, you know, and he's racking up scores 72, 72, 48, 57, 59, 63. So, look, he is capable of being worth a decent amount of coin. So He, he was um he was a tri-assist king, wasn't he, in that year, wasn't he, Stu? 2020, uh, having a look here, he was um, a tri-assist and also kicking a lot of goals. So, oh, okay. And, and there wasn't even... Uh, and some kick meters as well. But, yeah, a r- real tri-assist king in 2020. So, if he gets back to his ways... You know, I'm not going to say that he's an absolute bust, but just that injury risk, which Mitch mentioned earlier, I've kind of got him in the bust category. And I guess, should we start with SJ for the boom boom or bust choice, Nick? Um, I've got him as... Oh, I Okay, I'm biased. I think he's spicy, guys. That's just me. But I understand that you guys will take him as a bust. I would put him in the spicy category. Okay, well, look, two, two against Sorry, one. mate, you got outvoted. That's fine. Uh, I, I, I think you kind of almost made made the argument there, mate, and I sort of alluded to it at the start that he has huge potential um, to score points and, and make cash. It's just a question of how long is he going to be out there to do it? And that's that's where I think, you know, he, he, he technically becomes a spicy that, you know, if you're going to risk it for, for the biscuit, he, he's not, not the worst option out there. Uh, fair enough. All right. Well, let's go through the boomer bust list of the uh, boomer bust list of the guys that we named above. So, guys, let's start off with you and Aiken. Boom, spicy, chuck a star on it, or is he just a straight bust? Uh, I'm putting a star on him. I, I need to wait till at least round one to see um, if he's named it second row. I think you guys put forward a, a really uh, good argument that you should pick him if he's in the second row, but. Um, the uh, mad scientist that is Nathan Brown. Um, I'm waiting till he's put named in the second row, and I probably will need to see him play in the second row and actually 
you know, feature in that position because he could very well get named there and start in the centre and I'm looking at trading him out round two. He played he played second row last year though. Six yeah. six games. Yeah, but I don't know what Nathan Brown's gonna do. Yeah. Nathan fair. Brown doesn't know what Nathan Brown's gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> that makes things Imagine difficult. being in Nathan Brown's family and like he's driving you to school, except some days he doesn't drive you to school. <laughs> right? He drives you down to like a quarry or something and starts making you cut rocks or something. Like I can just see that. Like just just no, I ch- changed my mind. <laughs> Holds a press conference. For your and it gives you, gives you a spiel about culture or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you go to school. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay, look, I've still got him in the boom category if he's in the second row, right? Yeah, because I think that's fair. I, I think he's got points there because I think he is a cut rate uh, Angus Crichton if he is in the second row. S- slightly smaller, you know, but to be fair, 200 grand cheaper. Yeah, he's he's very tempting as a center option, as a pick and stick center. Just ride him out and enjoy the ride. I'd say. Okay, well, I've got him in the boom category if in second row, right? And otherwise, he just yeah, he's out of here. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, I mean center in your fantasy team, yeah. guys. Not 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 in the actual game. If he's playing center, do not touch with a fifty foot pole. Yeah, that's right. Till this price comes down, Reese Walsh, uh, Mitch, what you thinking? I'm. I, I don't think it, it's always awkward because I guess we're talking about fantasy. But I'm probably going to put Reese Walsh in the bust category, um, only because I don't have the belief that this Warriors team is going to finish all that high in the ladder, and therefore isn't going to score heaps of points. Um, Walsh is obviously going to get the majority of his points off tries, tackleless, or try assists and line breaks. Um, so, you know, as I said, maybe he's a spiky pick for six rounds, but I personally, um, he, he won't be featuring my team. So I, I would say a bust as far as fantasy goes, but I think he's a boom player for the NRL. Yep. Nick, what are you thinking? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I see the downside being um, when you bring SJ in, he takes a lot of kick meters. Reese Walsh had, as I mentioned earlier, 142 kick meters per game. That could reduce his average by... Four points just by itself, guys. Um, if he's not kicking goals, that could reduce him again. I see huge bust potential here. He is left-footed. I, I believe... Is he left-footed, guys? Um, a, a general field kicker. I think he's left-footed general ki- field kicker. I mean that to say that he might take left-hand side clearance kicks potentially. Um, he's left-footed see... goal kicker and left-footed uh, field kicker. Yep. So... Um... I, I don't see him taking many kicks unless Brownie really pushes him taking left-hand side ones. But when you've got Sean Johnson in your team, just let him you know, do the kicking duty. So, yeah, I've got Reese Walsh as the bust. Yep, me too. Okay, so sadly, Reese Walsh, great player for the game. He's just He just doesn't have enough. I think the consensus is he's not going to make that much money and he's not potentially your final team keeper. So... Yeah, and I guess if he has a couple of crap games, he drops down to 500k, maybe have a look. So, uh, but again, also the other thing that worries me is that Warriors run. If you're an attacking base player and you've got the 14th, you know, it's the 14th best or rather the third worst uh, run for your season and it only gets worse as the year goes on, do you really want these guys in your team? That was exactly my point, and it's where I think Nick's segment on strength of schedule is just such a critical element of our fantasy decisions. I think he hit the nail on the head. I think he's got to be a bust. 
100%. Okay, so look, he's in the bust category. Uh, look, Chanel Harris Tavita, I think I'm going to put him in the bust category. Yep, unanimously bust, I would say. Okay, because I'm not even sure he gets a start. Uh, Adam Fanua Blake. Uh, Chuck a star, see what his minutes are. Yep. Yep, I would agree with that. Beautiful. So, uh, okay, Tohu Harris. Chuck a star for me. Chuck a star for I, I would take Mitch's advice, everyone. I would wait a couple of games, wait for his price to get underneath 690k. That's it, 689. <laughs> That's all I need. 689. Uh, wait for that, and then I think he would just be right for the picking. I think he's a boom after two rounds of play. Yeah. Which is effectively what we're all saying. Yes. It's not a boom to start the season. No, 100%. De- de- definitely don't have him in your round in your team round one. And don't have him on your bench round reaper. one waiting for him. That's the definite Grim Reaper because there is no chance that he is coming back. So he'll be playing wheelchair footy before he starts playing in round one. So, okay. So Josh Curran, guys. Uh, I've got him as uh, geez, I, I guess you put a star on him he's almost a borderline but as I keep hammering it's just so hard to know what Nathan Brown's going to do if he looks like he's going to be a regular second rower he's very 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 tempting um, as I said I, as a transitory pick for um, for who Harris but as you said like if you're going to pay 675 you want someone who's going to be a long-term keeper and you'd probably be looking at your Angus Crichtons or or the like for that sake. So maybe he's a bust. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a bust, guys, at that price point. Yes, 100%. And, yeah, I don't start with him. And keep an eye on him in the season. Again, he's just one of those guys, if he drops coin, but we'll talk about that during the season, right? We'll find these guys who yep. are quality players, and I think Josh Curran is a quality player. And if That's they just why we have chuck a... stars on them. Exactly. And at that point, we'll be chucking stars. Once they start to lose that coin during the season, this will definitely be a regular segment. That's so, it. So, okay, so we've got uh, SJ, we've already covered... I think that's everyone, guys. So yeah, everyone. I've got Boom, you and Aiken, if at second row. I've got SJ as a spicy choice. Chuck a star on it. I've got Adam Fanua Blake and Torhu Harris. And Buster got Reese Walsh. I've got uh, Chanel Harris Tavita and I've got Josh Curran. Uh, last question, boys ladder. So let me start with Nick. Where are they going to stand on the ladder? I got them 13th, guys. Um, the reason being. I don't think they have any serious signings here. I don't... They lost their best player in RTS. Tohu's injured, which is he's critical for winning in terms of winning footy games. Their centres and wings, I'm not a big fan of. And I think Johnson will get injured at some point, and that's going to hurt them winning games. So I've got them 13th, unfortunately. Nick? Uh, sorry, not Nick. Mitch? Um, you know, I was, I was, I've been really thinking about this one for the last couple of weeks, uh, and I was going to agree with Nick, but I, I'm just sort of going, are they? Because I've sort of already told you all who my I think 16th and 15th going to be. So the, the question to me is, can are the are the St George Flogs going to be better than them, and are the Cronulla Sharks going to be better than them, and are the Newcastle Knights going to be better than them? Just with the strength of schedule and the absence of Tor Harris, and I think they will drop. Uh, I actually do think they might actually drop that game to St. George because St. George has a good record against the Warriors. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got um, the Broncos, who I also think will beat them. I think they'll lose some of those early games and 
They're not getting Tahu back probably till it's too late. I think they're really going to struggle. I think SJ probably is going to go down. The struggle will get even worse. Uh, and then you've got Nathan Brown at the helm. I'm going to put him 14th. Yep. No, uh, Mitch, you've stolen my one there. I had them as 14th. So I've got the Tigers dead last, but I think the Warriors uh, will be right down there. So yep. unfortunately, and it's a shame because, you know, they have really been pushing for uh, to keep the game going. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think this is this their year. And unfortunately, by the look of their signings, I don't think much is changing. No, I think I think they're um, in uh, in a bit of a fix there, with the exception of Reese Walsh. The uh, future isn't super bright. That's true. Well, I guess they can just find whoever found him, Reese Walsh, and just say do that another twelve times. That might be all right. <laughs> <laughs> just just go find another eighteen year old who you know their home team is willing to get rid of because they're insane. <laughs> Far out. I'm like, I'm not saying he'd walk into any team race. It's egregious, isn't it? Oh, mate, he would. You'd find he him. He does a spot walk in into. Team. Okay, t- tell me a team that he doesn't walk into. Melbourne. Uh, I disagree. Paps, I guess. I reckon. I reckon he's better than Pap. Oh, what? You know what? He, he's got a Ryan better all skill set than Paps, I would say. Wow. He, he does, and if if I bump Ryan Pappenhausen's head, he's going to be concussed for twelve weeks. So. I think. Yeah, gotta, okay. Yeah. Think about Reese Walsh there. That, that is perhaps his weakness um, moment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Concussion <laughs> is a serious issue, guys. Like, uh, I, I'm only mildly mocking that. No, 100%. And look, speaking of uh, concussions, uh, we're going to move on to the team which gave him that concussion. And uh, during the magic round, that was like the most unmagic of all magic rounds in 2021. That'll be Peter Volandi's legacy that round. Oh, mate. Such a shocker. So glad. So we're going up this year. By the way, shout out to all two listeners who've made it this far. Uh, The whole crew is going up for Magic Round this year. So all three of us are going to be there. Uh, You. So, Mitch, you're confirmed, yeah? Yeah, why not? 100%. (laughs) Hundred percent. Why not? So (laughs) we'll fold out the couch for you, mate. So you'll be good to go. And uh, so, you know, all two listeners, if you want to hit us up over socials, we'll see you there. I'm sure we'll talk about it more during the season. But I'm just glad we weren't there last year because that was a shocking round. Honestly, once they sent off uh, for the Dragon Storm game, once they sent off uh, Fui Mayona, that that game was over. It's like, you know, you may as well start on the beers then. That was just... Um, there's a real stain on the 2021 NRL season in a year marred by COVID. It's not good. No, no. So, look, let, let's look at the Dragons in a more positive light. You know, it'll probably be the only time we do it this year. So, let's do it. So, <laughs> let's look Let's look at that. We got, by the way, in case the listeners at home don't understand, uh, Mitch and Nick are Dragons fans of old. So, to yeah, be and fair... And the season ticket holder. Uh, to be fair, look... You could always be ill supporters, okay? And not have been alive for a win for a different time. <laughs> right? There's more of them out there than you'd think. 100 30, What are we at now? 30. Oh, we are 40 years now, I think. Close to. So the 38, 39. So it's been a while. Or a long suffering Warriors supporter. So, or like, you know, Southeast Queensland crushes or something like that. So <laughs> Adelaide Ram supporter. We're going to get back in the comp, guys. They're going to expand. So, <laughs> uh, the, um, 
I did see a funny thing on social media that they're the only team that Turbo hasn't scored a century against, but <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Uh, anyway, so let's look at the uh, the Dragons. So look, they've got some additioning. Uh, sorry, there's some interesting ad- additions to their team this year. So let's start with the what I, one of the most interesting. George Burgess is back from the UK, and he's joined the team along with uh, Tata Moga. Francis Molo from the North Queensland Cowboys. Jaden Sewer, who's probably a walk-up start from uh, the Rabbitohs. Moses Suley uh, from uh, the Manly side. Couldn't really crack a team there. Jack Gossi... Gossi... Gajewski. thank you. you uh, for some reason, well, I had time well done there. just there. Uh, and he's also from Manly. Uh, Moses Mbai from the Tigers. Do you need help pronouncing this one too? Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron <laughs> Woods <laughs> from uh, from the Sharks. So he seems to be doing the Sydney tour, Aaron Woods. Doesn't want to leave. But look, I guess thoughts from the team about these pickups, guys. Like I I am personally seeing, oh, geez, I hope that Anthony Griffin knows what he's doing with these money ball pickups. I... I- don't even know what to say. Uh, like, I'm sure, sure you got Moses M by cheaply, but where are you going to play him? I mean, I, I, he works I well as a 14, got, though, because I, I, I know, I know that from watching him, the team last 14, year, they yeah. like a, they, he really likes a utility on the bench. So Moses M by is probably a perfect 14. Yeah. I think Jaden Stewart is a reasonably good pickup. I, I don't hate that one, and uh, I think George Burgess as a her, like as a, a football player and as a professional adds a bit of starch to a team that that is known for just sort of rolling over. Um, but Tata Moga, Francis Molo, Moses Suli, like I feel like St. George has good, and you kind of said it with Phil Gould and I, I give him a bit of stick, but he is right. St. George has the, the junior talent um, to not need to, to buy these guys. Like, we should be bringing through our young talent and fostering them and retaining yeah. it. Now, you know, the, the best example is Jack Bird. Now, I know he had a number of injuries throughout his career, but he's finally come home, and I thought he had one of his best seasons ever last year in the Red V. And it's just frustrating as a, as a fan to just see us buying these half-baked uh, players then funding their retirement fund or keeping them in the league for, for one more year. I, I, just, I just don't understand it. Yeah, and look, buying a couple like Panthers bought a couple of players last year, uh, that that were a bit bit on the fringe, but it was a couple to supplement the team. Whereas I think with these ones, they bought they've gone quite heavily to the market for these and, fringe players. Yeah. and the Dragons look to need someone who who can really lead them around the park. Like you know, uh, you know Nathan Cleary as players aren't on the market, but someone who can um, they can sort of get around and and play some footy. This, this kind of just fulfills the ongoing issue in the Dragons that you've got a team of, of middling players that, that is not cohesive. So, um, it's, yeah, it's just more of the same at, uh, at Cogra Jubilee. Maybe Anthony Griffin has something in his contract where he can keep his job for as long as he wants, as long as he doesn't win the spoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's an interesting stat for you. St. George has never won the spoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. really? That is a, that is a fact. Uh, Craig and I have confirmed that over the last couple of years, given we've threatened a, a few times. Um, <laughs> How did Steve Price not win us a spoon? Uh, he tried. <laughs> 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 All 
Oh, all right. Well, I guess I guess looking at those, there are some interesting pickups in there, and there is some starch, some experience in uh, George Burgess and Aaron Woods as well. Moses in by decent super sub style guy, but yeah, you're right. We're not seeing necessarily the. It's not a bulldog esque style pickup. Uh, so look, let's have a look at the injuries. So Mitch, can you kick us off, mate? And I think probably George Burgess is the most interesting injury there. All right, so you want to start with the most interesting one? I was gonna, I was gonna, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, veto you, last. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish on the most interesting one. So, real quickly, uh, Billy Burns, um, stress fracture in the foot. Um, he's set to return in the preseason. Uh, has returned to running. Look, the the one thing is he's in the second row. He he does use a mild amount of footwork to get the job done. Um, so if you're considering picking him up, uh, I would say, uh, like I said about a number of players. Just have a look at him round one or two, or if you're really keen, have a look at him in the trials. That's probably even your best bet. Um, so I, I do think he'll largely be good to go. I'm not super concerned with him. Ben Hunt, fractured arm. That was season-ending, but it was really just due to the fact it takes, you know, uh, six weeks for, or four to six weeks for those sorts of fractures to heal. Um, would expect him to return fully with no issue. Zach Lomax, so he's had a recurrent thumb issue. Um, this is actually, you know, he's had a dislocated thumb. He's had it fractured now two, I think be three times. Um, and he's had significant time off to recover during the, the pre-season and off-season. Um, no significant complications thus far, and we are expecting him to return in the trials. But I tell you what, after doing his thumb that many times, I sort of start to think, gee whiz, um, there's only so much those ligaments in there can take before it just becomes a, a really recurrent sort of injury, and it does take a long time to heal. So... I don't think he'll redo it, but um, it's certainly something I would have in my mind as I'm uh, selecting him were I to select him. Uh, Andrew McCulloch, so he had ankle surgery to repair uh, ruptured ligaments. Now, based off the fact they didn't specify whether it was his medial ankle ligaments or his lateral ankle ligaments. Now, um, typically if it's medial, it, you have a accompanying fracture. So I'm gonna suggest it was probably a lateral ligament repair. Generally, that's about a 12 week rehab um with his role as a workhorse in the team as opposed to say an agile ball runner like a damien cook i would think he'll be able to return to his normal role um would keep an eye on his mobility and possibly the minutes he's getting in the trials and how he's moving about um but i would think he'll he'll return and be able to sort of grind out there uh in the middle of the field uh cody ramsey so i don't know if any of you saw this gruesome injury but um it wasn't quite as bad as Josh Mansour's when he popped knee to cheekbone, which is one of the, the worst I've seen. Um, or possibly even Joe Manu's uh, hit from um, Latrell Mitchell last season. But uh, Rams, you know, with his snapped teeth, he was ruled out of the remainder of 2021, probably because he was barely making the starting spot as it was. Um, I would think he'll return with basically no issue. He just needed to see a good dentist. The final one, the one I wanted to talk about most, Probably just from you know a, a physio sort of nerding um, perspective is George Burgess who is returning from a hip resurfacing. So a hip resurfacing for all the listeners out there, it's uh, not the same as a hip replacement, but there are there are elements that are very uh, similar to it. So when we have a hip replacement, basically what we do is we cut off the ball and uh, neck of our femur, so the part that's inserting into our pelvis. Uh, we get a titanium sort of fitting. Um, we scrape out um, the acetabulum, which is the rim that sort of ball of our femur sits in. And um, we put like screws into the, the shaft of the femur and, and away we go. 
it's quite an invasive procedure and it involves um, some fairly major incisions through our glute uh, muscles and some of the muscles of the side of our quadriceps. So it's a big recovery. Uh, and the major thing with that is that you don't get full hip mobility back, which, you know, as an NRL player, you would never return and you'd probably be pretty silly to play. The thing about a hip resurfacing uh, is that you do actually get full mobility. So as opposed to taking the whole head of the femur off, what they tend to do is shave off as much as they need to to get through all those arthritic segments. They then just put a metal cap over the top and like the hip replacement, they will uh, once again where the ball sits, they'll scrape out there and put a metal cap in there. Um, and uh, as opposed to a total hip replacement where we do have to cut through uh, the entire side of the hip. In this instance here, they sort of peel it back, which is again, a lot less invasive. And as I said before, it really means that he'll have full range, which is really going to be quite important just from a mobility um, uh, and a strength exertion sort of perspective. Um, considerations would be um, that he's likely to have a role off the bench. The, the big issue with this one is the unknown of the injury. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to form big minutes. I, I think, you know, most likely he's going to be an impact player. Um, with that said, it's difficult to know what will happen. The one thing I'd say, you know, if, if George Burgess was like, you know, an explosive uh, winger or possibly center, so we're thinking like uh, Josh Adokas, he'd be a total stay away. At that point, you know, fancy hip replacement or not, he's really a stay away. George really is a tackler. He is occasionally a tackle buster, but he's really about grinding in there. And the hip is quite a stable um, joint. He's had the surgery in April, so there's been plenty of time for those muscles to recover. Um, the major thing that I would say is, number one, we don't know how this is overgone because no one's ever done it. Number two, we don't really know what his role is going to be on the team um, just from a fantasy perspective as in where the coach is going to play him, but also what he is going to be capable of um, but I would say look if you're looking for someone who's a little bit different and I certainly would not pick him up uh, within the first week or so I'd wait at least a couple of weeks um, he might be worth a look the final thing I would say is because of the degree of invasiveness on the surgery and what he's had to come back from he has had to have a lot of time away from the game so I feel like with George, there'll probably be a sweet spot. My sense is he'll probably build into the season and sort of weeks three and four will be sort of starting to become his peak weeks as he gets his match fitness up. The From that point, after maybe a six to eight week period, what we're probably going to see is um, a slew of other injuries, probably as a consequence of having that big major injury, which I was sort of talking about uh, with Sean Johnson and those compensation issues. So once you start to get a bit of confidence around that three, four week period, he probably only got a six-day window, eight-week window before he picks up other injuries or he just starts to break down and not have the, the gas to go the length of the season. So long story short, keep an eye on him early. If he looks good, maybe you roll the dice, but you need to be prepared that you're probably going to have to jump off that train two, two, two months, maybe 10 weeks down the track. And thanks for that, Mitch. And look, that's really important for everyone at home because I've seen George Burgess be the third forward or maybe the only... Uh, bench forward for a lot of teams so that's really uh, important for those of you who are looking to pick him up just be aware that uh, you really are going to the casino on this one from what Mitch has just explained to us that's put really well it's it's you know you're, you're on the roulette table yep so because I've I've been on the forums I've seen a lot of teams I've been tempted one of my drafts had him in and then 
like uh, I looked in a little bit more and then when you mentioned it Mitch and a little bit before the podcast I'm like yeah probably not but we'll run through <laughs> during the fantasy fantasy segment so it's a really uh, interesting story to watch though because um, we might see more of it in the future if it is successful oh there you go so he's, he's, he's the man number one he's he's pioneer first NRL player to ever do it so you know from a from a health perspective um I think we'll see more of it potentially. In the, and the, the good news is this is one of the good news stories of the year because it's an NRL first that doesn't involve a you know police charge. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so okay, so Nick, uh, lead us on the Dragons' strength of schedule. Uh, we've got something to cheer about this year, which is uh, we're the fourth best overall schedule, guys. Um, we have the Cowboys, Broncos, and Warriors twice, so we get to watch some bad teams an extra few times. Um, uh, unfortunately, we only get the Panthers, Seagulls, and Storm once, which is um, you know good from a fantasy, but bad from a fan point of view. Um, but we've got the Rabbitohs and Roosters twice, which is bad from a fantasy, uh, which is not good from a fantasy point of view. Um, uh, with the 10th best run to round 13, which is pre-origin. Um, but interestingly, uh, the Dragons are the fifth best run home post-origin for run uh, from round 18 onwards, which is a very clean run from round 20. So you have the Cowboys, which is a uh, you know, easy beat, Sharks, Raiders, Titans. But then you finish on the Tigers and Broncos. So um, as oh. part of my calculations, I've got the Broncos as one of the worst teams of the comp. Um <laughs> Sandwich. So is that that I, I smell a sandwich coming here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got them. I've got them in line with the Bulldogs and the Warriors. So, in terms of quality of team, I haven't got them on the same level as you know Knights, Eels, Sharks, Raiders. I've just got them and the Titans. I've just got them a, a tier below. So, it really depends on how you feel about how the Broncos are from a schedule point of view. Um, but I mean, there is obviously consensus there on the Cowboys and Tigers. Um, not being very good. We'll get our thoughts on the Titans, I think, next week, is it? Um, and week so, after. yep. Oh, week after that, yep. Okay. So, um, but it, it, it depends on how you feel about the Broncos in round 25 in terms of finishing this clean run home from a, from a strength schedule point of view. Now, look, that, that looks to be, that's a perfect run home. Like any team. So that's really like if you'd be looking seriously at what keepers are there at St. George to try and get in your team at some point around origin or just after there's no big five teams there which is sort of the main point you're not running into so just for the big five you're not running into the storm uh panthers seagulls rabbitos or the roosters we have the rabbitos in our top five this year uh i i don't but that's a separate i i do there's a separate podcast i think (laughs) anyway but look yeah the big five from last year anyway Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, they smashed the combo. I certainly think the Rabbitohs are a better team than St. George. Mm. That's it. So, low bar, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so look, let's have a look through the top 17, right? The best 17, the rest of the top 30. So, look, I've got here number one, Tyrell Sloan. So, he he's a gun. Uh, two, I've got Cody Ramsey, though he's a bit take it or leave it. Three, I've got Moses Suley, walking straight in. Four, Zach Lomax. Five, Michaeli Ravalawa. Six, uh, Talatal Amun. Seven, Ben Hunt. Eight, Blake Laurie. Nine, Andrew McCullough. Uh, ten, Jack DeBellin. 
11, Jaden Sewer. 12, Tarek Sims. 13, Jack Bird at 13, which according to all reports, including people doing long-range tele-lensing of numbers on the back of people's jumpers. Uh, 14, Moses Mbai as super sub. 15, Francis Molo. 16, Josh Kerr. And 17, I've got George Burgess. And out of the others... Um, look, there were a couple of guys who were fantasy relevant sort of at the beginning of last year, like I had Daniel Alvaro and Tyrell Fui Mayano early, but I think I'm not sure that they're top 17 material. So look, that's an improvement. Uh, we have Josh Maguire in that team who probably is top 17 material even now, but he is suspended for being a grub for until round six. Uh, we also have, um, we have the uh, Fine Twins, brothers, twins, brothers. These two, they they can play. I I, I really I, I really think the fee guy, one of the fee guy boys, is going to take uh, Cody Ramsey's spot at some point. To be honest, look, and and that's why I said Cody Ramsey a bit take it or leave it. I've got him penciled in, but like trials. I, I certainly think he'll start. That he, he he's going to have to play some good footy to hold that spot. Hundred percent, and I think Cody Ramsey's one of those guys who look if um. Touch football was more popular. He'd probably be better off staying there, but there's still better money in the NRL. Um, the Dragons got one of the best top not 17s. Is that what I'm looking at here? Like a team that, you know, has some really good talent not in the 17? Yeah. Look- I would certainly think that. Like, they're deep. Uh, and in a co- it's funny you say that, Nick, because I was thinking the same thing. In a COVID-affected year, which I'm promising you uh, we're going to see players go down with covid um, it's going to be a real edge over the competition. I'm actually sitting here thinking thinking just that and going, where am I actually going to put them in my top 16? Yeah, because Josh, Josh Kerr, like him coming off the bench, he's a good player, right? He would make a lot of teams top 13. 100%. Moses Fembi, like as much as flack as he's got, yes, he's not worth 800k. He's, he's a damn good super sub and someone who can easily slot into anywhere in the back line. Uh, he hasn't looked uh, out of place at the origin level, which speaks for itself, I'd say. Yep, Jaden Sullivan, who is another young gun coming through, could be pushing um, Junior Ramon for the uh, number six position uh, next to Ben Hunt. And it could be that they, like those uh, Amon and uh, Sullivan could actually be the new harvest pairing once Ben Hunt's off his $1.8 trillion contract. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so look, let's run through the fantasy relevant players and let's let's talk about the ghost of the competition, Nick. The ghost? The ghost, he doesn't even appear, mate. Yeah, I can't, I can't find him. So, um, Tyrell Sloan, he's not coming up in the NRL. He's missing. Um, fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. They must be deliberating potentially on his pricing. I'm not sure before releasing him um, because he's an absolute stud. Not stud muffin necessarily, but he's definitely a stud. Um, we we not we're not sure the, what he's going to. He's not, not sure what team. Sorry, he's not making the stud muffin team. Oh, okay, but he's a stud. Um, he, okay. he in twenty twenty one he averaged thirty nine point eight in five games at fullback. Um, but he scored six tries with two tries, there's two line breaks, three line break assists. So he got some serious attacking stats, and they versed some um pretty easy competition, I think as well. Um, he had one bad game against the Rabbitohs where he averaged, where he scored nine. Um, so if you take that out of a, out of the equation, he averaged forty-seven point five. So it's an ultra small sample size, but 
he he could average, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged sort of early to mid forties. I'd say, guys, um, I've I've got it written down here that he's priced at three hundred sixty four k, but that's yet to be confirmed along with his break even and things like that. So, um, if he's three hundred sixty four k, he's an obvious player that you need to have in your team, but. Um, other than that, he's sort of a wait and see until he's actually released into the fantasy app, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, I saw him elsewhere at 380, so somewhere around that. So that, that doesn't change his stats much at all. Like, as long as he's below that 400k mark, he's definitely someone I'm very keen on. He's uh, he's uh, tall, he's fast, he's a very, very classy player, as Nick said. Uh, if he puts on a bit of muscle, boy, oh, boy. Uh, I think he could end up being one of the top four or five fullbacks in the game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and um, he, He's a stud. Yeah, he, he's part of this young group um, for, for the Dragons, which they have coming through, which is really exciting. Um, the next guy part of that group is your um, Talatao Amone or Junior Amone. He's also, um, I think that's what, what he goes by. Um, 350k, his break-even is 28, and in 2021, he averaged 24.8 in 11 games. Um, he's only a half, so uh, we there's sort of some speculation he might play center, but I think he's going to lock down at half roll pretty easily. Super classy again, passes the eye test. Um, we think he'll get the starting 5-8. So when he's played all 80 minutes at 5-8, he's scored 47 average. You know, that only had one try assist and one like line break assist, so barely any attacking stats. He kicked some meters, which was nice. Um, he's, I think he must be in everyone's team. He, he has a very high ownership rating um, amongst the league of 18.41% at the moment. So if, you don't ha- if you're part of the other 82% of people who don't have him, go out and get him. Um, he's an absolute must-buy. Um, I was listening to... Um, the Uncle Roast po- uh, podcast, the NRL Roast, um, and Moses M. Weiss really rates Talatal Mone, Tyrell Sloan, especially, I think, um, in terms of guys and, and synergy and stuff like that. Um, have you heard anything else about him, Mitch? Uh, nothing that I've heard about him, certainly not from an injury standpoint, but, you know, as you quite rightly said, he passes the eye test, uh, he's good young talent. Um, I think if Anthony Griffin wants to hold his spot or, you know, wants to avoid a, a mugging post-game at Jubilee, he should be playing him every single game, just if anything, to blood him. Uh, he is a certainty to start in my fantasy lineup. I, I think he's going to be probably not a, as good as Tyrell Sloan, but I think he'll be a um, an NRL stalwart for the next five, six years. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Mitch. I've got him in... Uh pretty much the first slot on my bench like whenever i'm building it i set aside 350k for him so i think i think i think you're dead right yep e- easy bench or even starting side i think guys yeah. um on to our next player um jack debellin um obviously last year was a, uh he's had a very turbulent last few years um really why Oh, I, could, I can't imagine why. I'm not sure what happened. Um, he just he just was off the grid, I guess. Um, 659k. Um, I'm I'm saying that so we don't get sued. Um, 2021 <laughs> average 48.9. Um, 11 games last year after he came 
out from the wilderness from whatever he went through. Um, he's only a mid. You know, I'll, if he was a DPP, it would sort of change the game. Not that he plays on the edge. But he's almost at that point eight PPM, 0.78. Um, I'm not sure what you guys think. Think. What were your initial thoughts on Jack Deville when he first came back in, um, Mitch? What do you what do you think when you when he first got back on the field in the NRL? What did you say? Uh, I saw what I've been saying for the past two podcasts that there's nothing like playing the game, and we always need to have players playing two, three, four games um, before they get going. And I think St George wisely sort of played him in. I think, or I at least thought by the last two to three games, I thought Jack was starting to really hit his stride and develop that match fitness again. Um, he's now had another, he's had a proper preseason under his belt. Um, you know, he would start to probably feel a, a part of the squad. Oh, I think Jack has got some of his better footy ahead of him. Probably the only thing for me is that he's not likely to have that lock position and, and will be a, a prop. So there is concern for maybe a reduction in potential minutes. There was a stage there where he was almost an 80 minute player. But um, I think, you know, he's almost had the best of it, right? I think while he had to have two years off for, for what went down, um, he was actually, I don't know if any of you remember, he was having hip pointer issues, which is a really nasty uh, injury to the to the quad tendon. He was carrying a number of injuries and having those two years off has got him as healthy as he's ever been. He's now reconditioned to the NRL level. It's kind of like he's 26, 27 again. Um, he's an interesting sort of prospect, I think. And as a, as a fan, I'm hoping that he, he can and punch out a, a good year for us and, and I think he could potentially have a, a reasonable fantasy year. It's also dependent on how many points Hook gives him or how many minutes rather than Hook gives him. Yeah. And I think just on that, I look for, again from the Twitter sightings, I, th- I think because maybe the training ground over at Jubilee, it's pretty easy to get access to from the public, like to see through the gates or whatever else. But, it's um, extremely yeah, he's been cited as uh, starting in the number 10 jersey. Oh, wow. Okay. Do, so, do you guys, Mitch, do you remember, I think was it 2016 or 2017, he came off the offseason and he was just this absolute jacked beast of a man. Yes, I do remember. He, he, I saw a social media post by the Dragons the other day. He started to look like that again. He didn't look like that last year. He looked, you know, like little bear type of thing. Now now he's he's getting, you know, big, big, bad and mean looking again um i i think he has to come into the origin consideration this year that's what i think is going to happen um assume he's not shadow banned for no particular reason yeah i i I think you know he um as i said i think some use being injected back into him and I've seen the same pictures, and he's a he's a big popper. I, I I think he could be an interesting prospect. He in 2018, guys, he averaged um, 50. In 2017, he averaged 58.5. Um, so, if he plays lock, he could be very very interesting at prop. Um, I've got him averaging you know 37.5, and that's a 60 yeah. minutes. So that's a long minute prop. I don't necessarily see the upside, uh, uh, coupled with, you know, he's known for not making the greatest choices off the field. So he may, may whether it's, um, a, was it hiding under a bed at the barbecue? What, where, where, where was he hiding? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. What sort of bed was he fitting under? That's what I want to say. I've got a bed that's raised about a foot off the ground, and I'm a. Paul Vaughan must live on a bunk bed. 
<laughs> he must he must be on the top bunk or something, and his wife's on the bottom. Oh my god! I, I, I'm hoping I get invited to the to the next barbecue tonight, so I can suss out how how he got under this bed. Just, <laughs> the geometry maybe, of it, it has been nipped. Maybe, maybe that's why they saw him on it because it was slanted at 45 degrees. <laughs> anyway. he, so so just just to go full circle, he's sort of like that Josh Curran. Not not really sure. Is that that no? Will he be that start again? Probably not. Will he get his minutes? Probably not. Um, so I guess we'll wait and see. Um, on to um, one of the one of the interesting signings, um, Mister Five Hundred K per year, Moses Sully. Um, that's not his fantasy price. He's three ninety six K, guys. He's just on five hundred K to play centre for us. Apparently, um, his break even is thirty two, and he's averaging twenty nine point four in twenty twenty one in nineteen games. It's interesting. He's at centre. Um, there's speculation he could play a bit of wing as well. Um, and last year was just so patchy that manly backline with um, Brad Parker and Morgan Harper occupying the centre spots. Um, manly were deeper the wings with with Saab and Garrick as well. Tafua couldn't really get a crack. So so Sully was sort of filling it centre for six games, interchange for four, and winger at two. And he was actually the 18th man for 17 games as well. Um, if and this is what was quite confusing from last year's stats. He averaged thirty-five at center, and he averaged forty-five on the wing. So, if you play center, guys, he's not really all that spicy. There's a five-point upside potentially. Um, and a worse but, team. Yeah, in a much, in a extremely worse team, exactly. So, um, you know, I've got written down here. He wants to go to the casino with Sully. You know, if we're going with Burgess, why don't we go with Sully as well, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 I totally agree on that, mate. Is there's no at three ninety six k? There are so I could fill the entire bench in emergencies with centers who are going to make you money this year, right? Sully, I, I cannot see a reason why you know unless he's your dad or something why you take him. The only thing more surprising to me than the Dragons picking up Moses Sully would be any fantasy players picking up Moses Sully. (laughs) (laughs) It's the the only thing that would would confuse me more. It's like, you know, hopefully you listen to this podcast and and you've had that information because if you you do that, I just can't. You've just offended 1.9% of the population. So, (laughs) (laughs) of the NRL fantasy population. That's it, mate. They're coming for you. First, Adam yeah. Fanua Blake, you questioned his manliness. Now you've insulted Moses Suley. Mate, you're not going to be able to show your face. It, it was, I was going to suggest we introduce a segment called, called Things I Wish I Hadn't Said. And, um, <laughs> saying Adam Fanua Blake wasn't a man, um, that'll be my first one for sure if we, if we get that segment going. That's it. I'll find him at Magic Ground, introduce him to you. So, all good. We'll so, get cracking on um, to uh, Jack, Jack Bird, guys, at... Um, 535k. Um, I'll just run through his stats now. I'll hand, I'll pass on to Stu. His break even's 43. His 2021 average is 43.6. For a guy that's had some health issues, um, he, I'm sure Mitch can speak to it better than me. But he's played 22 games last year, which is very good for him. And he's a DPP at edge center. So, Stu, give us the lowdown on Jack Bird. Look, the main thing that attracted me is is Jack Bird is. Uh, basically, he played all 80 minutes in all his games, so they weren't playing him busted last year. So he seems to have regained a level of fitness and stability in his injuries, which was surprising. But 
was great. I got him in round three. He was in my team all year. I was very happy with him. So the the next part about him is that, uh, look, in this centers, he averaged quite well uh, at 41.2. And that includes 3.7 tackle breaks, which for him is mainly crabbing across the field, pushing someone in the chest and then keeping on running. <laughs> so 20 meters across and about five meters forward. Uh, now, unfortunately, the tackle bust nerf does hurt him a little bit with this. So going from three to two. So there is probably like a, by the look of this, a three point or so fantasy drop. However, when he played in the second row more towards the middle, he averaged 51, which is, it's not quite keeper territory, but it's certainly approaching it. And looking at this year, uh, he looks to have ga- jagged the number 13 starting spot. And he's a very versatile player because last year he played wing, he played center, he played second row and half during the oh, year. Really? Yeah, that's it. Uh, sta- brief, brief, brief stint in half. I think it was like maybe a game or half a game. It, it, it was. It was just feeling for, you know, the barbecue gate. But still showing that he's got a lot of skill. He kicked goals at one point. There's, there's a lot to like about Jack Bird, and the fact that he made it through a whole season healthy either means, A, we're due for the biggest injury of all time. You know, maybe both legs yeah. fall off and his torso explodes. Or, B, he might be over his injury curse. So Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, just with the regards to the injury curse, is um, the positions he was playing when the injuries went occurred. So... So you'll both remember that Jack Bird primarily was a 5'8 and, and has been quite vocal uh, about wanting to return to more ball-playing role and uh, and a fullback. Most of his injuries occurred in both of those positions um, that require a bit more lateral footwork and explosive speed, whereas we, we sort of saw um, with the centre and, and, and more so the second row, uh, it's a bit more as you sort of said a tackle bust sort of straight up although he, he did love the 20 meter crab walk but he sort of wasn't running 20 meters at uh, sideways at speed I just wonder if it was the change in role that might have helped Jack Bird more than any um, particular formula that uh, St George have come up with so I look at the lock position and go oh there's just a bit more lapse work in there than I would like it sort of does combine um the the second roll sort of straight up and down or second row stuff straight up and down roll nicely and it does give him the ability to to ball play and I think with Philandy's ball um it, he'll be quite conducive to that lock roll but there is I reckon a slightly elevated risk of um, potentially sustaining an injury with that more lateral necessity of playing uh, lock and working in more that that ball playing role so just you know that's just a, a theory of of my own just looking at what's occurred with Jack but um. No, I, I think if he manages to, to continue staying healthy and certainly games stacking games tends to allow players to stack more games uh, injury-free is that um, the role and the types of injuries that he sustains, so ACL, groin, uh, hamstring, classically, Heck. yeah. Yeah, because he's had them all over. That's the other thing is that he's had injuries all over the place, but they haven't been. it's not been the same thing over and over, which is giving me a bit of confidence. So look, I've... I'm a bit high on Jack Bird. Like he's not necessarily like the the be all and end all, but uh, in your team. But he's certainly someone that you could start at second row, and he would perform for your team. You could start him at centre, and he will definitely perform for your team. So, and the fact as a D, he- as a DPP, I've got him starting um, second row. It gives us a bit of uh, flexibility um, with this COVID year. So um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then move him on later on in the season to centres. So that uh, as uh, as you get rid of some of the cash cows who might start there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we'll move on to um, Ben Hunt. Um, quite interesting last year, actually. He's 675k this year, break even of 54. 2021, he averaged a really high for him, 57.2 in 15 games. He's only a half this year. So uh, you, you might remember he played um, a bit of hooker with uh, Cam McInnes moving to lock, but he's lost that hooker position, so he's only a half now. Um, on the field, he was absolutely dominant. Um, he will cop the clearing nerf. He, he, 283.7 kick metres. That's what he was last year. It feels like he kicked more than that, but... Um, so a cop a little bit, you know, a, a few points there. Um, one thing that gets me with Ben Hunt, guys, is missed tackles. He's 3.9 missed tackles in 2021, but he's 3.7 in his career. So that's just one of the things that you get with him. Uh, it's not really much you can do. Um, but on the plus side, so whilst he's missing tackles, he actually has 1.8 offloads again a game. So the question is whether these go to hand. He could actually um, sort of right the sheep a little bit here. So um, from a statistical and rules changes point of view, he's sort of quite interesting because he's got the kicking and also a little bit of the offload as well. Um, so, uh, Mitch, what are your thoughts on Ben Hunt this year? From an NRL point of view, I think, you know, he really benefited from playing under Hook. Oh, I would be of the suspicion that he didn't really like playing under Mary. The increase in play and player performance last year, which sort of fed into into that increase in his uh, fantasy value, I thought was quite extreme. And he was really quite unlucky to have the injuries he did. You know, broken arms, kind of like a shit happens style injury. Uh, and same with the... Um, uh, he ended up having a high-grade cork, which was sort of resulted in a stress fracture of his lower leg. So I, I think Hunt is an interesting prospect, and, and I do agree with you that he's um, potentially going to um, be on a, on a much better Dragons team and hopefully a more stable Dragons team. Um, I, I do think he's an interesting fantasy option because my feeling would be his form... Uh, and again, you know, looking at the NRL side of things, combining it with the fantasy, is that his form will continue to be uh, good under hook, um, as demonstrated during that 15-game stretch. So I certainly, sort of, certainly got him in my calculations as a potential um, pick uh, or long-term pick as a as a half. The only downside is that he has lost that hooker role, which were he to have that, I think he'd be a, an almost no-brain pick. Yeah, I think um, I think I picked him up for that reason last year. Um, he got a little bit cheap, and then um, with the DPP, he got very very interesting. Stu, did you did you grab Ben Hunt as well? Or was that I, I did. I uh, actually moved on uh, Jaden, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Brayley for him. Uh, once Jaden Brayley's uh, numbers took a dive, and then of course Ben Hunt went and got injured himself, so it was a bit of a sideways <laughs> trade. I sort of got in at the wrong time for him to cop a couple of. Uh, uh, injuries there. So, look, I had him in 2020 as well, and he was great there once he picked up dual position. But a- as a half, I think, again, this year, I think there's better options out there. Like, I think that he's a solid choice. I don't think that you'll be regretting you'll lose much money on him, but there's not much there. And my... my yeah, he was a... I've, sorry, he was a he was a boss hooker, wasn't he? But, but a pretty solid half overall. He's a pretty solid half. And, and the way that I see it is that... You, basically to build your team round one 
you've you've got to either they've either got to be out and out guns right and just scoring for you all season in and out or they've got to be guys gaining you some cash so that you know you can sell them and i don't think that there's much of either of those with ben hunt unfortunately yeah yeah to t- totally agree there. Not not all that much upside necessarily. Um, we'll just quickly ru- uh, just run through Jaden Silver just because he's a signing for this year. 521K, break even of 42, and he averaged 40 in 2021. He played 20 games, which is very durable. Uh, he will be out for origin. Um, he's an edge. His PPM is 0.59, so he's not all that interesting. Um, he's going from a good team to a bad team. If he averages more than 60, though, he... Uh, minutes per game. He could average 45.5, but if he's less than 60 minutes, he averages 24. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure how the bench will sort of fill out. Uh, obviously, you've got Tarek Sims starting. Um, Josh Kerr, he's more of a middle now, I thought. Um, Billy Burns was an edge. Jack Gajewski uh, is a is an edge player as well. Um, I'm not really sure what where the minutes will sort of shake out, but he, he could be an interesting one if he drops a bit of money. Um what do you think, Stu? Uh, it's, it's, it's a no from me, unfortunately. I'm going to say um, Jaden Sewer's just priced. He's he's not got a huge ceiling. He's not a 700K player. He's pretty much priced where I think he'll end up. Okay. Okay. Let's move on then. Okay. On to um, bigger and better things. Um, the I'm not sure. He's definitely a stud. I'm not sure if he's stud muffin. Mitch, is he a stud muffin? Zach Lomax. Zach Lomax is he a stud muffin. Look, you'd have to ask Emma for confirmation if he was a stud muffin, I think, because he wears white with a red V. Um, he can't be a stud muffin. I'm not sure. I'd have to ask her um, after the podcast if that is, in fact, a thing, but I would wager that is is the case. So I, I suppose by, by that the de facto rule, he, he can't be a stud muffin. <laughs> Zach Lomax is stud, potentially stud muffin. At uh, 499K, guys, it's, it's quite exy for a specialist center. His break-even's 40, and a 2021 average of 38.5 in 12 games. Um, last year was very disappointing. He started in an excellent 2020 re-average, 46.3. 2021, as I said, 38.5. So he lost you know, eight-point average last year. Everything across the board, there wasn't any particular stat that was down. Just everything was down, you know, run meters, tackle busts. Attacking stats, everything was just slightly down, um, and the Dragons weren't very good. Um, they honed on him. I think they sort of uh, rushed him a little bit. And I just have a thought, guys: Will Sloan help ease the burden on Lomax potentially by having just a more classier inside presence down in Matt Dufty potentially? Maybe, but I thought Dufty was a very nice ball player out the back. So again, from a fantasy point of view. Sloan might be good enough to actually go straight through the hole, whereas Dusty, the only thing he could do was go around, and if he wasn't going around, he was going to have to pass, or they were going to throw him out of the field. So um, I think as a footballer and as an NRL point of view, yes, Sloan will make him better, but you might find that Lomax in that regard um, doesn't get as many um, points. What I would say is I think just playing generally on a classy team, uh, and this is including Sloan, that St. George will score more points, and as a result, Lomax might pick up a few additional uh, meat pies, and he'll probably be t- kicking uh, a few extra goals as uh, one of the NRL's through shaft shooters. So, you know, he might see a, a, a six-point tick up just in the fact they're probably going to score two to three more points a game because I do think this team, when you look at it, 17, 
is, is going to score some points this year. I think they'll let in a lot of points, but I, I do think they're going to score some as well. Are you touching Lomax this year, Stu? Not at that price. I think at, at 500k, basically, which he is. Again, I think for centers this year, I think Zach Lomax is a guy you would not hate as a keeper center for the end of the year. But can I say that for a little bit more, you can get Matt Burton, right? <laughs> For 40k more, you can get you and Aitken playing it. Uh, for 36k yeah. more, you can get Jack Bird. Like, just Zach Lomax at his current price, I, I can't see a reason why you would get him. And I'm not going to insult the enormous droves of people that obviously bought Zach Lomax. Let, let, what was the percentage? Just checking now. 3.2%. Uh, so, sorry to the 3.2% of people out there bought Zach Lomax. You chose wrong. So, <laughs> rethink your life, delete your team, start again. No. <laughs> I, Listen no. to this podcast. That's right. Just seriously, there are oh, so many more center choices out there for you. I, I'm i thinking right now, I might even produce some sort of ranking table of like like where you should have them in your team. But Zach Lomax, he's a quality player. And if he's firing on all guns, he can be a final round keeper. But there's just so many better choices. Yeah, totally agree, guys. Um, he's got he he does have past pedigree, but yeah, there's, there's, there are other options out there. Um, just to round out the young guys, um, Jaden Sullivan or Bud Sullivan, um, you, you, you hear a lot as well. Four seventy five k, break even of thirty eight, twenty twenty one average of forty one. He only played five games, and he's got the half um, tag this year. He played two games at hooker. I think Macken went down. Um, was it? The face injury that he had, or he went I down. I think it might have been the ankle, mate. Oh, the ankle. Okay, excellent. So uh, that paved way for um, Sullivan to play a couple of games at hooker. We averaged 64. Hence his just, price. Which is just wow. Um, but it's 5'8, um, 24 and a half. So he's he's probably one just to just to chuck a star on, guys. Because um, if something happens to Macca, then I can see. Bud Sullivan getting in there and just being an absolute menace through the middle, sort of like um, Damien Cook. Yeah, that, that's who. That's the first yeah. person that I was thinking. Yeah, just yep. the speed, the the skill, the yeah. eyes up footy type of thing. And George has the forward pack to make that happen. It's where I, I just can't understand why the youth and high octane player that is Jaden Sullivan will not be playing over Macca. I know that Mac is a good general and. And good defensively, but this is now Volandi's ball. Um, give us some speed, give us some uh, some uh, agility, uh, and let the man play. Like, oof, I, I think again, he should be he should be in the starting thirteen. And it's it's where you know, as a fan, I look at this and go, you know, if you're not a Queenslander, Hook's just not interested in playing, and it's just frustrating. And I I got to say, looking at it as well, he. Um, he's a smoky to take the number six as well, like from Amon. So, just oh, that'd be, be devastating for fantasy. Yeah. So, so just like it's a teamless Tuesday thing. Just keep an eye out. But yes, also I think that the, the pairing of uh, Amon and Sullivan uh, is probably this new future pairing post Ben Hunt. So look, Sullivan will see some time. I'm hoping he drops some coin. You know, possibly coming off the bench or some fill-in minutes, uh, so that uh, you know we can pick him up a bit later in the season. Well, apparently, um, Mbai has that fourteen nailed down. So, 
I, I'm not sure how Sullivan will fit in if you got Mbai as a specialist 14 there. Um, I, but I would I would think if something did happen with McCulloch, that Sullivan would then start at hooker and not come off the bench for Mbai starting. That that that's sort of my theory on things. But um, just just keep an eye out because there's there's serious serious potential if he can, you know, find his way into the number nine jersey somehow. The only issue is is how much upside does he have? Like I know he had an average of sixty four points, but as Stu said, he's already at four seventy five. I don't think he can keep that pace. Maybe averages high forties um, at best. So what do you have? One hundred and twenty five, hundred and fifty pay of growth on a player who will probably be a week to week proposition on hook. Um, I think he's someone to look at for twenty twenty three. There, I, I suspect you know as Stu said uh, in the post hunt and George era. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Damien Cook averaged um, 59.4. Now, I'm not saying he's Damien Cook, but will he make heaps of tackles in the middle? This is if Sullivan plays soccer. Will he make heaps of tackles? Yeah. Will he get attacking stats? Yeah, he's that kind of guy, you know. Um, will he kick the odd ball as well? Yeah, he's got a beat on him. So, you know, I can I can see him having a Damien Cook type of... Um, Stat line as well, which which um, you know is all is all a pipeline and probably won't eventuate, but um, keep, keep an eye out. So just to round out, we've got um, Andrew McCulloch as can, our. Can I cut this one short? If you're buying Andrew McCulloch at home, go buy Harry Grant. Same price. <laughs> Seriously, he's suspended for a game. There is no money in Andrew McCulloch, and there are better players. Go home. Sorry, whoever you are. <laughs> Like I've sorry, I've decided. You know, the two percent of players out there have got Macca. You know, obviously the loyal Brisbane Broncos slash Dragon slash Knights fans out there. You know, who followed his career and probably his parents. Six, so that's not too bad. You haven't offended too many people, mate. Big bun. One point nine six percent have picked up Andrew McCulloch. Yeah, so it's. Uh, I would just say there are better options out there for six seventy nine k. Don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Don't don't touch. Stay away. Bust. Yeah, bust. It's there's just there's no money. Oh, we should have. I know. I don't can't keep adding more category, but it's like yeah. I just want to say there is no money in this man. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, and and the, yeah, we got to find that money. So, all right, so let's look through the boom spicy choice chucker star or bust list. So, boom category. Okay, let's go through. Guys, could we agree that from our previous discussion, Tyrell Sloan is a boom player? Certified boom. Certified boom. Uh, as I said, top five fullback uh, in the NRL in the next couple of years. He wow, is, that's... And you know what? I'm not going to take a bet on that because you're quite possibly right. He looks good. He looked very good and skillful. Wait till he puts on 10 kilos, mate. Oh, boy. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, because it'd be the height. It'd be pretty close to turbo, like, That's sizing. That's the sort of parallels I'd add, but he has the footwork and uh, agility of a James Tedesco. He's going to be pretty, pretty spicy. There you go. He just glides. He just glides. Oh, can't wait. Excellent. Okay. Junior Amone, Talatal Amone, Amone. Guys, from the discussion, boom? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Now let's get to a slightly more controversial one on this one. Jack Bird. Oh, I've got him as a boom. I think if he plays lock, he's going to be a boom. Um, I do have concerns about possibly having a re-injury, but 
it's super unlikely this is me sort of being devil's advocate just because he is such an obvious boom. I'll put him in italics just for you, Mitch, okay? But he's still in the boom category. I think he should be in the boom category. Okay, Moses Suli, Mr. Casino, which is what I'm going to call him now. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a shame because he's probably, like, never gambled in his life. So maybe not. I've got a spicy. No. Uh, but uh, if, if he if he drops a little bit, I've got him as a spicy. I've got him as a bust. But okay, he's a bust. He's a bust. Man. <laughs> okay, he's a bust. He's a bust. Sorry, mate, you're outvoted. Okay, Ben Hunt. Uh, Chuck a star, maybe. Um, he I, might be good for the run home. Is what I'm thinking. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I. I Wrongly agree with what Nick said. It's where I was sort of thinking, you know, he, he might find his way onto my team just because I think he week to week will be good. He likes backing up from Origin, which is another big consideration. Um, and I, and he's got a good run home. And if he, he's healthy and this Dragons team finds a way to get things going, um, I think there actually are more points in him. I think he's one of the better halves in the NRL at the moment. So I think we'll start on him. Fair enough. And look, that final run home for the Dragons has me think that, yes, he, he's a guy I'm going to keep a star on and then just work out for when his price, if he has a price dip, and when to jump in. So he'll be a guy who we'll be talking about this year at some point. Uh, okay, so moving on. Zach Lomax. Oh, bust. Bust. Okay. Uh, J- uh, Sewer. Jaden Sewer. Bust. Bust. Okay, who else have we got left on the list? Andrew McCullough. Bust. If you pick him, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm going to put that one down. Mitchell Brown says he will murder anyone who takes Andrew McCullough. All 1.96% of you. That's that's 1.96% of fantasy players. Adam Fennell Blake. And who is the other one who's coming for me? Uh, Moses Suley. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, <laughs> Andrew McCullough, you'd, you've said if you choose him, you're dead. There you yeah. go. I'll tell his parents. Find him on Facebook. What, what, what have we thought on uh, Jack Bird? I mean, not Jack Bird, Jack DeBellin. Ooh, yes. I was leaving him. I think we've got to put a star on him because we look, there's two things. I, I did say that I do think, you know, there's a slight increase of risk of injury with Jack Bird. Um, St. George may run, run into tough waters and they might have a bit of shake about and at that point Jack DeBellin might find his way into 13. The other thing is you, you never know what uh, Volandis is going to do with the, the Volandis ball. So, you know, the rules could change and he can become a, a sort of an ideal lock again. I'd put a star on him and just keep an eye because he's a good player. He's looking like a big bear. Um, I think in the right position he can score points, but not right now. Nick? Um, I've got him as spicy. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I got you, Nick. I, I can see why he's a spicy choice, but I just, I can't recommend him for your starting team just at that price, six fifty nine k, right? Like you, you're putting a, you're leaving out Christian Welsh, right? You can get him for seventy grand less. You can get uh, Stefano. You take him up. Yeah, 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 for Carrigan, 80k yeah. less, like is yeah. the same price as, yeah, uh, what 70 grand less for Carrigan, or yeah. let's put this the other way around, right? You find yourself just a bit over 100 grand and you get Payne Haas, yep, yeah. okay, 
or yep. or uh, uh, any of the other top guys. So I'm just if he, he's if he gets sub, spot. if he gets sub six hundred, then he could be. Ooh, could, yep. could be very tempting. So that's why I think we're saying chuck a star on him there. Okay, I'm with you. I'm he, with you. As soon as he hits that price point, he's certainly a guy because his floor. It looks like he's got a very high floor if he's playing minutes, like outside of injuries. So I, I like him. All right. So now now that we've been through that, so we've got Boom, we have Tyrell Sloan, uh, Teletale Mone, and Jack Bird in italics. So we have Spicy Choice. We have, I know what, Hook getting, oh, I, I've got Spicy Choice. Hook getting a two-year renewal mid-season. <laughs> That's not spicy, stitch. mate. That's that's gonna happen. Like, like, like Mary did. Remember, remember when, when everyone was after McGregor, and they're like, "I know how we'll squelch the rumors. We'll extend him." And everyone's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and then they end up firing his ass anyway. Oh god. So that's my spicy choice. And chuck a star in it. We had Ben Hunt and Jack DeBellin, and bust. We have Moses Sully. We have uh, Zach Lomax, Andrew McCullough, and Jaden Sewer. So, uh, look, but there is, can I say, with the Dragons, those boom guys, right, I'm going oh, to be on all three. Potential. I am going to yep. be, and I don't try not to pick too many from each team because I, I like spreading my talent across the team so that when I watch most games each weekend, I can sort of just be looking out for my guy, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to have three Dragons which is going to be shit because... <laughs> but good to watch these guys. So, guys, ladder positions. So, I'm going to start with... Let's start with Nick. I've got them at 14th. 14th. Okay. Below the Warriors. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Mitch. Uh, two things. Number one, I'm going to take a sandwich on that. Um, number two, you know, I've been looking the last week, obviously, at the Dragons in preparation for this. And the, the way I like to figure this out is I rate the teams that I think the Dragons can beat or are better than. I think they're better than the Dogs. I think they're better than the Cowboys. I think we're all aware I think they're probably better than uh, the West Tigers. I think the Warriors under Nathan Brown, they're better than them. We know I don't like the Sharks. So I'm definitely going to say they're better than them. Uh, Newcastle Knights are not going to be great. I think they're better than them, and I certainly think they're better than the Titans, who are more interested in partying and sniffing cocaine. So <laughs> for legal reasons, that is 100% a joke for everyone in the Gold Coast Titans team. Sorry, that, that must have been really funny for you because that never happens. No, not at all. <laughs> for that reason, I'm putting him in at night. Nine? Wow. I like it. I think they're going to go close. I think um, probably a combination of um, just lacking that top-end star talent and a few guys who are just a fraction young from really hitting their stride will keep them out of the eighth. But I think um, they'll be a better team this year. Gotcha. Look, I I had a look through the ladder as well. And I look, I see the Raiders moving up a bit because they'll have a proper set of halves this year, right? But I'm not seeing the Sharks, the Titans, and I'm seeing the Knights plummet like a stone. So I have the Dragons at 10th. Yeah. So uh, because I think that they've their big thing that they've got and it's the money ball aspects that uh, Hook has picked up into when he's trying both guys. But it's that what you guys mentioned is that depth, right? Like the uh, the Bulldogs, I think, have a great 
13 and probably a great decent 17. But if you look outside that 17, right, it gets pretty skinny. The Dragons, I don't think, have as good a 17, but I think they'll have a better 30 across the season. This is what I was worried about with the Dragons, is that you, there's no um, absolute locks for origin in there that that you think, oh, okay, this is really great players. Um, they've got uh, quite a few guys under question marks. You, you, the young guys are going to learn how to win, um, you know, there's so many changes as well, um, mm. and none of the, none of these guys that have, we've signed this year for the Dragons are absolute knockout punches either. That are, are likely to win you actual football games. So we'll, we'll we'll see. I guess it's just I was a bit more skeptical on the winning side of of uh, how the the team is shaping up this year. Yeah, no, that, that 100%, look, it's, it's completely understandable. And look, I wouldn't be sad if they went anywhere from 9th to 14th, right? Because just depending on which end of that spectrum that they fall in. So whether the guys step up and the team steps up and that depth helps or whether everyone just sails throughout the year, right? And their best 17 just doesn't beat other teams' best 17. Or Paul Vaughan decides to have another barbecue. <laughs> Which could Is happen at biggest... any time. <laughs> There's no poor board to sink our season. <laughs> That's true. Well, I must say, at least you guys, when you've recruited, there's no flogs in there. So you, you guys are doing pretty well there. The as, as, yeah. long, as long as George Burgess can keep his fingers out of people's faces, you, you're sweet. Yeah, there is something to say about not having terrible players on your team, but... Um, outside of Jack DeBell, I'm not sure who's really a top-tier talent these days. That's kind of why I didn't can't put them in. I can't put them in the eight based on that reason. That's that's sort of my reasoning. Hmm. And where, you know, the Bulldogs managed to creep into the eight because, as you said, Stu, their 17 is, is interesting and they're, they're always, not to, to have a pun in there, but they're a dogged team. So hmm. um, that, that that's why I think, you know, depth will keep them up there, but I don't think it'll, it'll get them a premiership or, or in the playoffs this year. No, fair enough. All right, and I'll I'll put one more guy. I just realised that we've left someone off the uh, boom, spicy, chuck a star or bust list, and that was George Burgess. And yep. from what I think our discussion before, he's a hundred percent chuck a star on it, because we want to see how he plays, how George Burgess goes until we get on that train. Is that correct? Yep. I think play and role are both big in considerations, and then does he get through that first game? Um, it's a big unknown. That's true. And I guess the guys at 350, the first game, unless they get cracked that century or like that 60, 70 point mark, you've always got a week. Waiting for that second week is always risky, but you always generally have that first week if they're not at 220K. Absolutely. All right. So I'm um, added a new segment to wrap up our show this week at the two hour and 37 minute mark. Thank you if you made it this far. I think my wife said uh, that uh, from now on should be listening to it in double time. So, <laughs> so darling, at the uh, one hour and uh, 18 minute mark for you, uh, we have the pick of the week. Who would you include in your round one fantasy team from tonight's players? So, Mitch, tonight's players, who would you choose? Who's your round one pick? Alatau Amone, I mean, it's not much of a... There's no, no real insight into there, but he's a, he's a total no-brainer. Um, to quote you, if you don't take him, uh, you're a nugget. Um, 
he he one hundred percent will will be in my squad uh, for round one. Yep, no, hundred percent. No, very very good call there. Yep, he's definitely in my squad unless he doesn't obviously get picked. You know, everything's qualified by. You know, if a dinosaur comes and eats him, well, then it is what it is. All right, uh, Nick, who have you got, mate? Look, part of me wants to say SJ, but I I will be serious and I will say you and Aitken. I see tremendous upside um, in him this year and very spicy um, round one pick. 100%. And look, the answer is is that I I might have thought, especially after tonight's one, after you guys' bigger wraps, because I didn't look too hard at Tyrell Sloan last year, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I would have said Tyrell Sloan, but you can't choose him on the app, so I can't choose him yet. So I'm going to go with my other lock from the Dragons team, uh, which is Jack Bird. And I know that'll be sort of not everyone will have him on board due to the injuries, due to the questions about how many minutes he gets with all those big boys on the bench. But I think he's one of those guys who's just got talent, right? Like at 2016, he's playing like age 19, he's playing Origin. He's just, he's got talent and I think that talent tells. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's um, definitely definitely an X factor for the team um, and, you know, fantasy, he could be an absolute boom, that's for sure. That's true. And I think you know, if things had gone differently for Jack, I think he would be an Origin stalwart. I think if he hadn't got those injuries, I think we would have been talking about him playing Origin for the last few years in whatever position they could have slotted him in. Just one of those Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Oh, he's yeah. a super, super player. But um, as I said before, I think putting him in the right position with those previous injuries is a big consideration to keeping keeping Jack healthy. So hopefully they can continue to do that. 100%. So I'm, I'm just hoping he spends a lot of time moving the ball on and then hitting holes straight straight on, so to speak. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. So score, scoring me plenty of meat pies. So anyway, look, that takes us to the end of the show. I guess uh, we've been through the uh, player rankings. We've been through our picks of the week. Look, this will all be up. You'll be able to find us on your favorite podcast place as you probably listen to this, as you know. I'll just, however, replug. Uh, we are on Instagram. Nick, what's our address? At boom or bust NRL, or one word. Or one word, and that is on the Facebook too. Uh, we are definitely not on Snapchat or Twitter, so that's no. great. So do not look for us there. Mitch is working on the OnlyFans, guys, so, so stay tuned. <laughs> Sounds great. And uh, look, you know, I'm not sure people want to listen to us for free, so I'm not sure charging is going to help us. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, thank you, everyone, for making it this far. If you have, you know, I've definitely found that place in Mexico that stills the starburst. <laughs> so hit us up, engage with us on, uh, on, the, on the gram or on Facebook wherever you, you know, whatever your favorite uh, method is. And the other thing is, if you guys have questions, if you want to talk about, or you want us to clarify something that we said, any analysis, please hit us up. We'll answer you either directly on the spot or we'll bring it up on the podcast. Anyway, I'd just like to say thank you to uh, uh, to the team tonight. Thank you, Mitch. It was a good time as always. Excellent. And thank you, Nick. Thanks, guys. And... I will catch all you guys soon. Thank you, everyone out there. Good night.